Absalu get healing, take one. It's the Guardian Angel episode. Guardian Angel. Hey. Aho. 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 It's good to be here. Aho. It's good to be back. Ah, it's good to be seen. Live from the Absalaga Healing Studio. (laughs) (laughs) Absalaga Healing Studios. Yeah, we're breaking it in today. Uh, um, But we'll get into that a little bit more later. Um, over here to my left, kind of diagonal, diagonally to my left, diagonally to my left, we got <laughs> the Pod Gotti. He is Randy B in the place to be. Say shoulder, shoulder. Uh who, uh who, and across the way from me tonight, we got your favorite Indian, your hoe in one, JCB. Say shoulder. That'd be me. That would be him. That would be him, yes, sir. And you know me, mo hugs, not drugs, all the way from up the road in Arrow Creek, aho, 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 aho. And tonight we got a special guest. Please introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Space Walks of Race Bull Chief. Hey, all right, aho. Oh, hey, right. You got any? Uh, you got you got a street name you'd like to share no. with the people? What's your gang name? <laughs> What's your <No>. gang name? <laughs> any gang affiliations you like to throw up? No. Not, no, no graffiti tag? Uh-uh. Oh, Deuce, we got Crip in the house over uh-huh. here. No, I was kidding. Because <laughs> if not, we could give you one real quick. <laughs> we could give you give you a street name. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. No, so uh, Faith, right? Yeah. Faith, we're gonna she's gonna share a little bit about her story. Here in a little bit, but we'll, um, we'll get into that a little bit later. Right now, I just wanted to do is do an icebreaker. So, just to loosen up a little bit, and we'll go from me to JC to Randy, and then we'll come back to Faith with this icebreaker. And it is um, your bucket list. Something from your bucket list that you haven't mentioned already. Oh, I was going to say, do I have to say this? Because we did this, but... I can always add more to my bucket list. Yeah, bucket I don't, list is huge. I don't plan on kicking the bucket anytime soon, so I got to make that list extra long. Yeah, you better start getting on it, though. Yeah, okay. we're, we're at that midlife, <laughs> midlife crisis. Midlife crisis. Hey, I'm in the prime of my youth. I man. just turned forty, so I'm just like really thinking about my bucket list. I better get start doing stuff. Okay, is what I'm okay. thinking. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, okay. So one of my bucket lists, I guess, would be to yeah go to Hawaii, check that out. Um, it's not a trip that uh, a lot of crows make. 
Mm. Um, so I would like to go to Hawaii and just like see everything, like just take it all in. What part of Hawaii? Everything, like all the islands, everything, even the ghetto. Just go hang out there, see what it's like. Right on, brah. Right on, brah. <laughs> they might think you're Hawaiian. They won't let you go. Yo, dude, man. Samoan. Yeah, they've they've mistaken me when I used to have long hair, especially then. People thought I was like Polynesian or Samoan and stuff. One of the little ones. Yeah, one of the smaller version <laughs> ones. <laughs> like a miniature Maui. Yeah. How <laughs> about you? But uh, okay, list. so all right, I'll just I'll just play off of that. Like I will always wanted to go like check out those um, those pyramids like in Egypt. Oh yeah, just yeah. to go check them out, like just to go see them because. I mean, I guess it's one thing to see it on TV, but like, yeah, yeah, I mean, go, yeah, yeah, go there, check them out. But I'm afraid of to go to the Middle East, man. You hear too many like, but then I'm brown skinned so like they probably leave me alone anyway. So like, true, true. They true. probably think I'm one of them, and they won't let me go. Spray <laughs> <laughs> getting married up. Oh, oh. what are those oh. Middle Eastern aunties? He got me. <laughs> Just put a turban on you. <laughs> Get yourself like Cleopatra. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. What's you, Pat Gaddy? Man, I don't know. I, I think a, I think a bucket list for me would be like, I don't know, rock climbing. Rock climbing. Yeah. Right on at the Castle Rocks. Yeah, at the Castle Rocks. I was going to say that. Hey, I want to go to the Castle Rocks. You climb around at that Heartbreak Hotel. Oh, yeah. Go climb around. I never Heartbreak thought a lot, a, a lot about that, but I think like a bucket list would be able, and I've shared this previously. I know you said not to share anything, but would be to travel whenever I want. Yeah. You know? Like to be able to pick up and be like, oh, I want to go here. Oh, yeah, I want to go true. there. Like, yeah. you know, I want to be able to do that. Hmm. I'd be like the ultimate because then you can do your bucket list and then yeah. while you're doing your bucket list. And I you can just add, you can extend <laughs> it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I, like I think I'm going to add good. two more days to my vacation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> calling me up, hey, just say I'm not feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? <laughs> this is that Middle, middle Eastern auntie. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Faith. Yeah. Um, what is something from your bucket list? Um, actually, I would like to travel to Rome. Yeah, Rome. Oh, that'd be dope. Be nice. One in Rome. Oh, see, like, like <laughs> you said, the like, yeah. TV and, like I would like to go over and like see the stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, that would be cool. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Would you like want to travel back in time and go to Rome when it was popping? Yeah, that's, I think about that all the time. Yeah. What if we went back in time just to see like how it was with our ancestors too, and like oh, yeah. how they were, how they lived? Uh, heck yeah, man! I would take like a bunch of machine guns. No, <laughs> I, I just go back with like one word of advice: like don't let them land. Whatever you do, don't let them hit the land. Get them <laughs> push them back. Out. Get them while they're still out in the water, bro. Yeah, that, that's just yeah. that's Shoot just the boat code for the way. Go on a killing spree. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Too cool, too cool. All right, cool. Um, with that, let's go transition. You feeling feeling ready? Feeling loose? Yeah. Got some laughs in there. Yeah. All right, cool. Right on. Um, so with that, we're we'll transitioning over to some questions, huh? 
some questions. Yeah, you wanna you wanna you want this? You, yeah, you want you wanna hit me with that beat? Ayo, let's get into our topic. Ayo, let's get into our topic. All right, all right, all right. So we're here at Absaluga Healing and Crow Agency, and we got four guests tonight, and they're going to come in and share their experience, strength, and hope for about 15, 20 minutes. And we got some questions lined up. So first to go is Faith Walks Over Ice. What was the last? Bull Chief. Bull Chief. Sorry, missed okay. that. forgot that last one. <laughs> but uh, then we got three more after that. So about, um, yeah, about 15, 20 minutes, and then we'll switch to the next guest. And mm. with that, I'm going to send it over to your favorite Indian. Take it away. First of all, Faith, thank you for being a part of this, man. We appreciate I'm it. Honored. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome that you came on. Um, I guess, you know, can you just begin by telling us about where you grew up and who you grew up with, kind of your origin story? Yeah, I grew up in Lodgegrass. Um, mom's Jennifer Briglick, and we did live in Fort Smith, but I moved to Lodgegrass with my grandma when I was four years old, because my father died of a heart attack there. My mom moved to Lodgegrass with her mother, with me being the oldest and two younger siblings, and we grew up in Lodgegrass. It was tough, but... So, like, okay, so growing up in Lodgegrass, did you experience adults drink or getting high when you were a child? Yes, very, a lot can of you, Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in church, too, as a young girl. Yeah, But, yeah. like, you know, my mother backslid and got into drugs and alcohol, and they, she would, like, leave us with my grandparents or or relatives and stuff like that. And, yeah, I've seen a lot of it, actually. Okay, so um, so being exposed to that, how old were you when you first used? I started using cigarettes at 11 and started drinking at the age of 13. Okay. But I grew up fast and got jacked up at 15 <laughs> for my first, um, my, daughter, my oldest is daddy. I was with him for 10 years and we broke up in 2013. Okay, so, but like, well, okay, well, at what point or what stage of your life did you feel like you started to use more and more of your drug of choice? It started in 2019, yeah, 2009, 10, I got it to Tramadol. It's kind of, it's like an opiate. Yeah. High dose in it. Yeah. Um, I, I like experienced like something i really don't want to talk about maybe that's today. fine that's yeah, fine yeah, it no, just this involved this. me my ex and my sister and it just like ter- to- like tore me down i was so depressed i was i was working at the head start at the time and it was hard to like deal with i was so depressed i didn't know what to do and i i found like something that made me feel good Mm-hmm. It made me forget about that and i was happy like, i was energized because i was deep, so depressed from it and I was on it for a long time, actually. <laughs> Until 2012, I found meth. Yeah, okay. I was only using it for two months, and I had a seizure. Oh, wow. Oh. On meth? Meth and tramadol. Okay. Mm. 
had a seizure at the football game in Harden in front of everybody. Hmm. Um, I stopped using at the time on mess and terminal, or what mess anyway. They were trying to cut me off, cold turkey off uh, terminal, and I didn't. I, I said, yeah, but I was hiding, still using. Yeah. In 2013, me and my ex broke up, and I turned back to meth. What was life like back then? Like, what was life back then when you were, you know, using tramadol, considering meth? Like, it was it was okay for me at the time because I I, I found something that could numb up the feelings that mm-hmm. I had and from growing up and especially that incident. It was. Um, I remember like I would use excuses to go to like take out the doctors just to get get it. If I didn't, I would go looking for it. At the time, I'm, nobody was using tramadol. Out of nowhere, like a lot of people started using it. So I found a lot of people that I could buy from. Yeah. But mm. when I couldn't find any, the withdrawals were bad. Like, Was so there anything before your tramadol use? Um, no, just drugs or cig- cigarettes and partying, high school partying, you know, going to parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was parties at my house and. Yeah. So, <clears throat> what, 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 okay, so you had the seizure, what did you say, about 2012? Uh, yeah, somewhere near somewhere 2012 in the fall time, yeah. Okay, so would you say that would be the height of your use, or if not, then can you tell us about, like, when, when do you think it will, like, peak? It happened a second time, my seizure. Oh. Mm. That next following year. Okay. Um, inside the tribe, <laughs> at the WIA office, or that's when the tribe was here. Right before it burned down, um, it still didn't hit me that I needed to quit both. Then mm. I just couldn't quit. I just didn't want to. But I stopped, of course, the mess again. When that happened, I was still using tramadol. Um, so were you thinking kind of like it was a fluke? I was like, oh, I used too much of this. And this I won't use so much of this. That it won't ha- then it won't happen. No, I just quit mess. And I was like, oh, no, I'm like, I can't. can't. I can't get off this because this is the only thing that makes me happy or feel, mm. you know. Okay. Uh, and then, like, I got my ex back, like, not too long after I incident, it. And I don't think he, they, him and, like, his family, like, understood what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And he didn't like it that, like, I was using, didn't seem like he want to help me. Didn't try to say, oh, you should go get help. You should, he was just, like, judging me. Pill or pill popper, and like he was. I don't want you hanging out with this person because she pops pills and mm. stuff like that. This is kind of rather than offering like a, a helping hand, just kind of making like you almost feel worse. Right? That I had yeah, no support yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like when you didn't have support, do you feel like it drove your addiction further? Yeah. 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 Because mm-hmm. after we split up, like I turned to mess again. Yeah. Well, I mean that's that's the worst because I know like. <clears throat> I've had people say that same thing too, like, "Oh, you're just a drunk, or you're just this, and you mm-hmm. just that," and, yep. and it's like, "Okay, I, I kind of know that part already." Hello, yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, it's like you're not. In hindsight, you know, it's like it's not helping. Exactly, yeah, it's not, not, not it, helpful at all. He was yeah. getting just so yeah. disappointed that I wouldn't quit, and it was. I think it was one of the reasons why we broke up because he was seeing somebody else while we were together, and it ended up with that person after we broke up. Hmm. Mm. Um, after some months later, he tried getting me back, but I didn't want to go back to that lifestyle anymore either with him anyway, because it was so unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but 
like at any point in your time in your use, did you ever stop and realize like, hey, man, like this might be a problem. Um, uh, the tramadol, like you're talking about your marital problems, uh, you know, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say like when I hit my lowest and my peak was when I got blessed with my child because after my first one, they said I couldn't have any kids. So there's like a big gap between my oldest and my son that I have with my husband now. She, my daughter is 16 and my son's six. I think there's like, or seven, six or seven around there. And, but he's not my son actually. Like, he's my nephew because we gave him for adoption to my brother in law and his family because yeah. they really wanted him and I was still using, couldn't get my life together. Yeah. But I never thought I'd give a kid away, but I'm thinking like, Lord, the Lord blessed me with this child, you know. Yeah. Mm. I was still using with him. All the way through my pregnancy, and then realizing I had him, seeing his face, like, like that's my baby. Like, how could I do this? Yeah. Mm. I started praying, and I heard to see social services take him away. I was on the streets after that. <laughs> had nowhere to go after I got out of the hospital. Yeah. Stayed with a friend in Billings, me and my husband. And it was hard. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. when the, I went through being homeless with him on the streets in Billings for a long time. For about how long? Um, that whole summer of 2016? 16? 16, yeah. Oh, man. Like, thank you for, like, sharing everything that you're uh, sharing up to this point. But, like, because it, it's, like, it's traumatic, right? Like, we yeah. think about everything that we've been through. Yeah. Um, we think about those times where we probably even shouldn't be here. Right. Yep. Um, and then after you started seeing everything crumbling, like, was there a moment in your life, like, where you were just like, man, like, I can't do this anymore? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've lost a marriage, you, you know, gone through that addiction phase, and then you got to the point of now where you're the, the guy, uh, the husband that you have now, like, you know, you're up to that point. Was there ever a, a time, like, okay, like, what do I got to do? I, well, yeah, all the time, like, especially when I stopped using terminal because I yeah. quit in 2019. After I had my daughter, um, Carson, yeah, or that's my son, and expecting in September again. You know, I I like look at my kids, and I feel like they were my opportunity to be better, yeah, have a better life, that's not awesome. just for them, but for myself too. Yeah, and I I'm doing this for my family because I always wanted a family of my own. Yeah, yeah, I think that's awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> So once you got to that point where, like, you seeking help, you wanted to get help, <clears throat> um, like, what did like, what steps did you take to start getting that help? Mom, one of my biggest supporters was my my dad, mm. Dwayne Bullchief. He always prayed for me. Still does. Mm-hmm. He always wanted wanted me to have a better life because ever since my dad passed away, he, he told my dad that he would take care of us, me, and my mm. brother, and my sister. And I had another traumatic moment where I lost my baby brother in 2020 mm. to heart failure because of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. 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 I lost my mom at 18 in 2007. I had really no support but my dad. Yeah. Yeah. I had no parents, no grandparents on both sides. You know, I had aunts and uncles, but, like, when I struggled after my mom passed away, like, when I needed their help because I was young yeah. <laughs> still. Like still trying to grow up, mm-hmm. I was now a legal or legal adult. 
And I was like, man, I have to grow up fast, and I have to, like, take care of my brother and my sister. Mm-hmm. And the, that house went to me in Lodgegrass, and, um, uh, yeah, I asked, like, family for help because my lights got shut off and stuff like that. And yeah. You know, when somebody dies, you know, they come up to you, whenever you need me, help me, I'll help you, and stuff like, stuff like that. Yeah. When it came to it, oh, I have no money. I don't know, apply for the app and stuff like that. I was yeah. like, yeah, so after that, I never asked anybody for help, nobody. Mm. So, yeah. so I guess, like, what, what helps you stay sober now, like today? What helps you, like, um, what do you do to, like, you get those urges? I still I still struggle. Yep, on for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I still struggle with my, I, I fall back, too. I still mm-hmm. fall back. Yeah. But I still try to get back up and, like, because... I don't want to live that life. Yeah. I have kids that are going to, like, grow up and look at my mom using drugs. Like, I don't want them to grow up the way I grew up. Yeah. I want to have a, want them to have a better life because my oldest is, and I thank God that she's where she's at. She didn't have to go through what I went through. And she's, mm-hmm. she's a sophomore playing varsity ball. Right like Last year, she was, right she was a freshman playing varsity ball. That's I hear awesome. so much good stories about her. Her grades are good. Her attendance. <laughs> Yeah. Right on. <laughs> and that right I, on. Her, I was thanking God that she lives up she didn't have to live that life I lived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's sixteen, I was fifteen when I got checked up and she don't have boyfriends. <laughs> That's awesome. It's good. Yeah. It's good. That's good. So your kids are like a huge inspiration for you to like that reinforce your recovery from addiction that keep you from going back out. Right. Keep going. <clears throat> yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> What is one thing that you do, like, daily that kind of helps you stay sober? Taking care of my kids. They keep me on my toes every day. (laughs) So it's kind of, like, redirecting all that energy to making sure your kids are good. Right. Right on, man. That's awesome. I mean, like, growing up, I kind of have trust issues. Like, I don't leave my kids anywhere. True. (laughs) So, like, I'm with them (laughs) 24-7. That's right. I, my kids don't even do sleepovers, man. <laughs> I'm like, I don't trust nobody. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shots fired. <no. laughs> so, oh, um, how long have you been sober? Like, how long have you been walking the red road, as we say? From all of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, quit pills and, or, from now in 2019 completely. Like, right on. No, I actually... I used it like a couple times after that, but like it wasn't a lot. It was that maybe that one day. Yeah. But I quit completely. Then I found the, something that helped me get off of it. It was called Suboxin. I'm sure mm. did you guys ever hear yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I'm still using Suboxins. I still go to the MAT program that they put That's me on. Good. I do counseling with them. Right now. Actually, I had a appointment today, but I had to reschedule it for tomorrow because of the. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I got an interview. <laughs> I got an interview if, to do. If they, if they don't believe you tomorrow, don't listen. Okay. Send them the link tomorrow. Yeah. 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 I, I was doing this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> recovery podcast. No, that's cool. It's, uh, yeah. What time is it? What time is it? Four fifty-six. <laughs> it's four fifty-six. We're recording during class time. And like I said, like, I still struggle with like math. I fall back, but I don't like. I don't go on binges or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like harm reduction. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't use that, like, alcohol or anything. I quit alcohol, like, a while back, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're definitely on the right path to, like, um, to that recovery, walking the red road. There's a saying, like, 
within Wellbriety that once you start walking the red road, like you never stop. You might pause, you might fall and like be laying on the side of the red road, right. but you're never off the red road. Right. You can always just get back up and start going right. again. So I like that, that that's your mentality. It's like yeah. you might stumble and fall, but that's not going to keep you from progressing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right on. Exactly. Right on. That's awesome. That's awesome. Any yeah, last words yeah. or? Uh, no, no. I just want to say thank you for, again. Thank you no, for thank being you here. thank you guys for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. So and much. kind of, you know, what he said is like at the beginning, everybody stumbles. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just keep, you know, keep your resolve. I mean, I, 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 I've heard it said, you know, don't stop until you see the miracle happen. Yeah. Because mm. one of these days you're just going to look back and like, holy cow, it's been like 10 years. Right. Yeah. I would yeah. love to have that day and be like, man, I'm glad if that's not, that's behind me. But at yeah. least, you know, for today, right now, mm-hmm. you're good. Yeah. So mm-hmm. just yep. think about it like that. Right yep. now you're yeah. good. Yep. Yeah. Thank you uh, definitely for coming on the show, yeah. sharing uh, part of your story. Mm-hmm. Um my advice would just be, man, keep doing what you're doing and, and, you know, just keep everything going the way that you are. Because okay. I think, like, you're really breaking, you know, you're changing the life for your children here. Right. And I think that's amazing yeah. because it's like they're motivators, right? But we got to build up our discipline to be able to make the right choice when we don't feel like making the right choice. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. But that's like, you know, that, <laughs> that's like what saved me, too, is my child, you yeah. know? Mm. So, mm. yeah. Right on. Uh who? Uh who? Uh, who? Thanks, Randy. Thanks, yeah. Is there anything? You, anything? Any closing words you got to say, or you know? Any? I mean, if there, I mean, if my story changed anybody's life, and if they went through something similar, I hope my story helped you or helped whoever yeah. is listening. I mean, overall, I hope prayer helps. Yeah, prayer yeah. helps. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, and I just wanted to say that. Yeah, if you stumble and you fall and stuff, man, like just just keep on doing that. Just keep getting back up and uh, keep moving forward in your recovery. Because like this time around, you know, I've been in recovery. I've been walking the red road for like six years and or seven years and some change. Mm-hmm. But this is like the hundredth time I've quit. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. this is like the hundredth. Like seriously, like mm-hmm. literally the hundredth time. Like it's like all right, this is it. I'm gonna sober. Yeah. I'm gonna be part of my kids' lives and. That's you know exactly what I meant when I told you, like, I st- yeah. I'm still falling back, but I yeah, still get it's back all right. up. Yeah, yeah, just keep getting back up, keep coming back. Yep. You know, that's the saying in the rooms, keep coming back. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. Just some Lulu's and some hand claps and all that. Oh, I don't even know where we're at. <laughs> Thank you. There we go. All right. Yay! Hey! <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good, you know, some good, good sharing going on as yeah. we wait for... Our next victim, as they make their way to the podium. <laughs> Please sit down in the hot seat. Yeah, Take your seat in the, in the hot, hot seat. seat. Put on your headphones. And in case you can kind of hear that, if you're listening, we are in front of a, a live audience. Live yeah. studio audience. Yeah, we're here at Abzalu Get Healing in Crow Agency at the treatment facility. They got outpatient. They got outpatient services in Intensive outpatient, right? Yeah, intensive outpatient. They got peer support services, and that's our audience here Counseling tonight. services. Counseling services. We just wanted to take this time to highlight the work of Abzala Guy Healing in Crow Agency, Montana, 59022. Hey. Yeah. Right there. Hey, they even have a popcorn machine. There's a pop- popcorn machine. The Ada said, Magoo over here said she's going to make us some popcorn after the recording. <laughs> Fresh out of butter. <laughs> Go get some of that commodity butter. 
Right on. <laughs> All right, sir. Um, would you please introduce yourself? My name's Jack Realbird. Uh, Jack Realbird. Where do you hail from, sir? Well, I live in Lodgegrass right now. Oh, Jesus. Just country and Western in. singer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Country, <coughs> country and western. All right, hey, I'm just kidding. Hey, all right, let's let's get us a song. Yeah, let's, we're gonna karaoke here in a minute. But at this time, um, we're gonna I'll throw it over here to your favorite Indian. Take it away. <laughs> hey. So first thing, one thing on your bucket list. Oh yeah. Oh, we'll do the Kentucky Derby. Hey, Kentucky oh, that'd Derby. be fun, oh, eh? On, right on. So you've never been? No. Oh. Okay. Right all right. Do you know like all about it? What happens there and stuff? Oh yeah, like how many? You got to hit up Bob over there. Uh, he's such a good no, just cool <laughs> Bob. <laughs> he, he knows who Bob is, though. Huh? Hey, Bob can get totally. you the pants. <laughs> Bob can get you into the barn. Let me know when you're hitting over there. I'll get a hold of my guy Bob. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you can meet the jockeys. <laughs> <laughs> Bob gets the hookup. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, how many races actually happen on, like, Kentucky Derby, like, that day? Oh, it's a full full slate. Full slate? Yeah. So they have oh. up to 12. 12 races. Everybody okay. dresses up. You got to gotta wear one of those real big hats. Yeah. So. yeah why like why a, would you choose the Kentucky Derby? Yeah. The horsemen. Yeah. 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 Watching nice, fast horses. Yeah. yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No, Come sir. on. No, sir. Yeah. Now, I know, like... I just recently rewatched um, Secretariat a couple oh, weeks yeah, ago, and um, they showed they showed when they were there, like the crowd was singing the song. Do you know what song they sing? I have no idea what they were singing. No, I was just wondering because I, I guess that happens like every every year. Oh, every year? Yeah, they all the whole crowd sings like some kind of Kentucky song. Kind of like the um, take me out to the bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the seventh yeah. seventh hey. inning. Oh man! Now that you said that, it's gonna it's gonna bother me. Mm. Randy, Google it. I got to Google <laughs> it. I know, this guy's our Google man. He's the one. He's the fact checker. <laughs> well, yeah, that'd be cool, man. I would like to go there. If, well, I mean, what about the whole Triple Crown? Would you do that? Yeah, or I just probably could do that, but I figured I'll start with Kentucky Derby first. And then mm-hmm. if I wanted to move on to other ones too, stakes races. Yeah. yeah. My old Kentucky home. Oh, that's see, what they I, sing? See, I, I we know. will sing one song in the world of sports. There is not a more moving moment than when the horses. Oh, yeah. Sing it. Sing it. <laughs> yeah. Hit them notes. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I usually charge for singing. <laughs> that's actually on air. That's extra. <laughs> I don't think um, they put it in the budget. <laughs> The sun shines bright in the old Kentucky home. Tis summer, the people are gay. The corn tops ripe and the meadows in the bloom. While the birds make music all the day. The young folks roll on the little cabin floor, all merry, all happy and bright. By and by hard times comes a knocking at the door. Then my old Kentucky home. Good night. There's about four more lines on there, but. (laughs) Rapid ones. (laughs) 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 <laughs> no, I said I, then Oh, I thought you were going to start flowing out of it. Almost did <laughs> Alright, All right. okay Go ahead <laughs> So, Jack um, Yeah, just like we did with the last interview You're sitting right there uh, if You just tell us about where you grew up And, you know, who you grew up with That kind of your Your origin story mm-hmm. Okay yeah, I grew up in Gary Owen, just a little bit south of here. 
So I grew up with, you know, my family. Got a pretty big family over there. Got a lot of uh, older brothers, cousins, uncles. So I just grew up there, and my aunts and my grandmothers, all of them were living there. So, and then I grew up, went to school here, then went to Harden, went to the middle school, high school, and then I went on to Dawson. I got, okay. a, I got a rodeo scholarship. Nice. So I did two years of Dawson, and then I went up to uh, Eastern, but it's MSUB. Yeah. And that's where I got my gr- degree. Okay. So I just kind of... What was your event? Saddle bronc. Saddle bronc, huh? Oh, With the blah. saddle and the reins and... Awesome. All oh. that... Right now. So, but for me, you know, growing up in that environment and my fathers and my uncles and my big brothers and the way they talked and it was like, you got to be tough. Mm. You got to man up. You got to do this. Yep. Work, work through the pain. Can, and yeah. growing up and feeling that, I never, I was numb. Mm. Yep. And when I drank that alcohol, boom, you know, yeah. that's when everything opened up and no breaks. I didn't want to slow down for nobody. Mm. So when you were when you were growing up, were you exposed to adults that were drinking or getting high or using? Yeah, all my you know we used to pick up my uncles alongside the road, take them to the Harden, drop them off at the bar. That was normal. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Walking, seeing my uncles, seeing my grandfather, whoever was using at the time around me. When my father was in there, he uh-huh. was doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So he would be gone. He'd be gone once, you know. So my mother took care of everybody. So I'm used to that. I'm used to that strong mother, strong woman in my life that can yeah. have everybody squared up and get 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 to school, get yeah. it done. Mm. Yeah. So, but my first time was at Hardin Middle School. I was 14. I started drinking a little bit of half pint Mickey's. Yeah, hot shot. You know, something. That was your first drink. Was yeah. vodka? Yeah, and. Like I said, it was normal. Yeah, everybody was doing it around me. Hey, let's get drunk on the weekends. Let's yeah. go party. Let's go black out. You know, we wanted to see who wanted to get wasted. Yeah, yeah. And that was the mo for years, six years. Yeah, mm. fourteen to you know twenty until I graduated from high school. Yeah, and I blacked out. You know that was a given. And I'd be hung over, but they put me on a horse, and I had to go do the do the job. So mm. in life, that was. Yeah. Be tough, tough, tough. Don't feel. Just keep going. Yeah. And so work hard, play feelings, hard. Yeah. A lot of my feelings were never exposed. Yeah. Because I had to, you know. Be well, tough. Yeah. I was. I had to do that mentality of I can. Yeah. I ran cross country. I ran. You know, I did football. Yeah. You know, I did all that. All the sports, but we didn't. We got off practice. We went. We went and have a beer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then college got worse. Yeah. College was full blown. Refrigerator full of beer. Yeah. You know. So so do you think that at that point in your life is when it like you started to use more and more? Or I I always wanted I always wanted more. So, so it was first basically drink. it was straight out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Yep. First drink I wanted yeah. more. Numb it. Blackout. Yep. Don't think. Mm. Just so, kinda kinda that mentality of like as much as you can, mm. while you can, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, for me, mm. it was like 14. I was bootlegging at Crow Fair. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't want to glorify anything I did. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that that was something I wanted to do so I could have more drinks. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I could, hey, let's, they buy one from me. Hey, let's, have, let's share a bottle. You know? That was the mentality. Or match. Huh? Yeah. yeah. You know, double up. 
go with it. So mm. growing college, college was wild. I mean, I don't, you know, we did everything. I'm a college rodeo. Yeah. I was doing Indian rodeo. So I was going to every rodeo every weekend all summer. So we went everywhere. We went to all the reservations, went down south, went up north. I mean, it was, it Party. never ended. Yeah. And I just stopped just enough to get more money, money, rancher fees, gas, and beer. Mm. Didn't matter. And everything was always there, it seemed. Yeah. And then I, you know, I graduated, but I struggled. Yeah. I turned 21, and I bombed all my grades. Mm. I was on, you know, academic. Yeah. Probation. Yeah. Yep. So I had to wait, and then it was like, oh, I got a problem. Well, I can, like I said, toughen up, power yeah. through, power through, take a drink, go talk to the instructor. Yeah. And I was lying to everybody. Yeah. I mean, just to, you know, just to get through. And that was the reality. I was addicted. And yeah, mm. that, but I, you know, for me, it was like, this is normal. That's what I tried to tell myself. Yeah. To not feel and take and still use and be be productive. Yeah. You know, get good grades, get your degree. I got it, but, you know. Now what? Yeah. I just wanted to party. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. And, you know, by then I had a family and wife, and I went down south, and I started working. But I was hard to live with. Yeah. Mm. I was, you know, dry drunk. Yep. Every little thing, I was triggered. Did, do you think, like, even at that time, did you admit that you were, that, that you had a problem? No, I was like, nope, everybody else was wrong. Uh, I'm the only one that's right. So, yeah. so there, but there were people in your, mm-hmm. that were close to you that were pointing it out, though, right? Yep. Okay. Yep, my first wife. <laughs> she reminded me every day. Yeah. It's always you know? that first one. <laughs> it's always that you first one. You got a problem. <laughs> I know I do. It's you. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I admit it. It's you. It's, it's you. <laughs> You're my problem. <laughs> wasn't for you, I wouldn't drink. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. always that first one, too. Huh? <laughs> so I tried it. You know, I did. I'm, I got to the point where I said, okay, I'm, I'm good for 100 days. Mm-hmm. And I buy my plane ticket. 100 days, I'd come back to Montana, and what did I do? Binge it. Yep. yep. I just sat in a bar. Mm-hmm. I was cashy. I had savings. I was the popular man in the bar yeah. mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. moment. Yep. You know, everybody was always happy when I came home, they said. Yeah. You mm-hmm. all got to drink. Yeah. So in reality it was like I was chasing the fact that I was lying to myself every day. Mm. And then I that, that's not gonna hold. So I came home because it, it ended. Mm. And that was the end. And I had three kids down there. I had child support, car payment, rent, everything was due. And I ran. Yeah. Mm. I gave up. Cut out on them. Mm. I gave up my kids for my addiction. So that was the reality. Yeah. And what did I do here? Oh, I felt. Oh, I'm poor. Oh, look at me. Look at me. I'm the poor one. Yeah. When I when I walked out on them. Mm. And that's the truth. Yep. So I was lying to myself from day one. So I started drinking when I was 14. First marriage is gone. What do I do? Hey. Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's get married. I figured she was going to save my life. Mm. It didn't work. And that was the end of that marriage. Yeah. And that's the reality. 
I threw that one away too. So, and I was in use, and it, it was heavy, a lot of usage. I sold horses, I sold cars, everything for that next drink. Shaps, nice things, good saddles, mm-hmm. all the tack, you know. And then I just worked just enough to get that little... To keep it going. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it was for me, and then, and everybody was okay. With, oh, this he's, he's having a hard time, second divorce, oh, he's poor. I used that card daily. Mm-hmm. And everybody, you know, my whole family was glad that I was back. Yeah. Because they just saw me at the bar. So there was nothing that was improving in my life. I was just lying to everybody. I was lying to myself. Every day it was a lie. Mm. With my boots on, I'm lying. So I could get that next drink. So I could get blacked out drunk. And what do I do when I'm blacked out drunk? I drive. Yeah. <laughs> Bang. DUI yeah. 1, DUI 2, DUI 3. 2014, I got third DUI. Yeah. Mm. State of Montana. Got thrown in Sheridan two times. I beat one. You know, and it was, it was a game. Yeah. Mm. But in reality, I was hurting myself. I was hurting my kids. I was hurting everybody that cared about me, that thought, hey, this person matters. Mm. When in reality, I didn't matter to myself. Yep. And that's mm-hmm. the reality of mm-hmm. life. Is I wasn't there for myself. Yeah. Mm. So those things added up. I'm out on bail, drinking, drinking hard. I got two big, huge bottles, you know, Fireball and a Crown Royal. What do I do? I'm sitting in the car by myself. I finish them off. I'm blacked out. They, I walk in the bar. I don't remember walking. I don't remember driving. And I wake up in the drunk tank in Harden, fourth DUI. Mm. So now I'm a felon. Yeah. And so right there, it was like, all right, I guess that's the moment, my point of what I need to do. And I was scared. I don't like peeling my face off the drunk tank floor. Yeah. Anywhere. And I've been in all the jails around here. (laughs) You know, you name them. So that was the time. And to me today, it was like, I'm grateful Mm. for the DUIs. Mm. At the the time, oh, I'm going to beat them. I'm going to take them. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Talking out of my bottom. Mm. But in reality, it was like, hey, it happened for a reason. And I'm here today. Saving grace. So... You know, next thing I know, I'm shipped off to Watch East and Glendive. I'm out the door. have to do that time. Yeah. I did six months in there. Everything was monitored. So we, we did every day, you know, change your thoughts. Yeah. We had to stand there. They counted you four times a day. You had jobs. Everything had to take, add up. And you couldn't lie to yourself there. You might be able to lie to a counselor or the jailer, whatever. But you ain't got nowhere to run. You're in a box. Mm. And you have to sit there and deal with yourself. You have to listen to your own voice finally. The one that's telling you. So, yeah, we, we did our thinking errors and 
you know, defense mechanisms and mm-hmm. all these things that were in. Today, I use them. Yeah. When I feel, you know, I need to shift around like a saddle's loosening on a horse. Mm. You stop and you cinch up. Yeah. Mm. Walk mm. them around, get back on, and keep going. So for me, it's like, how am I feeling today? I'm really careful of my f- feelings. Yeah. I have to be honest about myself. I can't, oh, oh yeah, I'm kind of mad about that. No, you can't be kind of mad. I am mad about that. Yeah. Okay? And then it's like, oh, I'm kind of happy. I guess I feel good. No, I am happy. Mm. Today I'm sober. Yes. Today I'm alive. Mm. So, and there was a lot of people involved, and I took advantage of everybody and everything, every chance I got. And I hurt a lot of people. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. They believed in me, but for me it was, give me that bottle, give Mm. me that beer. How do I get gas money from that person? Yeah. Hey, mm. brother, how you doing? You know, <laughs> in, in reality, it was my addiction that was calling that brother. Yep. Yeah. You know, so for me, it was like I gave everything up. I abandoned my kids. I abandoned people that cared about me. Yeah. They wanted mm. a life with me, and I and I walked away from all of them. Mm. So today, I have to deal with that, and that was the hardest part. Just the feelings that everything thawed out. The numbness had to go away. Mm-hmm. That old alcohol wasn't doing a trick. Yeah. And it was a choice. Do I want to be in a penitentiary for another couple of years? And that's where I get to go next time I'm in use. Yeah. And that's the reality of life. Today. Yep. That's all I got if I go back to use. Mm-hmm. Is I get to go to prison. Yeah. They ain't going to put me in a little jail back there. And, oh, yeah, he can work it off. No way. They're going to ship me out. Mm-hmm. So the list, to hear that door slam from the jail, <laughs> that big old bang, that, that's what keeps me from thinking about, oh, yeah, that would good be good, a nice little shot of whiskey. Mm-hmm. I don't live that way anymore. Yep. Mm-hmm. So with that, 14, I started usage. You know, I did 32 years of active addiction. Mm. I'm 51 today. Yeah. So I quit five years ago and two months and three days. Uh-huh. Awesome. Yeah. Wichita. Yeah. So, Jack, um, someone's out there, they're listening to your story, and they're like, I wonder how he stays sober every day. What does he do for himself every day to make, keep to make sure his recovery is intact? What would you tell them? Got to feel. Mm. Got to be honest with yourself first, because, hell, you can BS the world. Ooh. That's the reality of life. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I can do this, I can do that. You have to be honest inside. I'm mm. honest today. I'm yes. true today. So when I put my boots on, I have to think hard. And you know, yeah, we tried it. You know, we go, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray this way. I'm going to go to this church. I'm going to go to this ceremony. But in reality, my recovery comes first. Mm. And then that way of prayer is second in my world. Because mm. without my recovery... I can't even go to that 
ceremony, mm. I can't even go to that church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my recovery comes first in my mm. world. Mm. And then I deal with the world around yes. me. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Right on. You guys got any follow-up questions or anything? No, that was, that Thank was you. really good. Thank you for that. Um, you know, because one of the things we were always talking about is these these common held myths about what it is to be a man mm. right and then and i can relate to that whole oh you got to be tough you can't cry you gotta carry yourself in a certain way you can't express your feelings you can't even have feelings other yeah. than anger and happiness mm. those are the only ones that are acceptable but looking back you know and you already said it it's like that's that is so wrong it's just so I want to thank you for sharing that, you know, um, especially, you know, I know like I, I, I grew up in prior to on a ranch and that was that was our family's lifestyle, that cowboy lifestyle. And to hear somebody come that comes from that particular background and say that, you know, you have to feel mm. that those are powerful words. Yes, yep. sir. Yes, sir. Uh, oh, ditto. <laughs> Always the <laughs> outspoken. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, thank you, uh, <laughs> no, for coming and, and really sharing your story because we've we've kind of been pushing that. That's kind of one of the things that we encourage, especially as men, is to feel what you're feeling like. Just I always says like, feel it. Mm-hmm. I get to feel today, mm-hmm. and I think like when we pinpoint that what we're feeling. And it puts us in a lot better position to say no to whatever we're battling. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think, I mean, that's like a, that's your discipline is like learning how to discipline yourself and saying, man, like the sound of that door. Because automatically, like, man, I just heard that sound. Me I'm like, too, man, man, that's man. something like, like I need, I could throw in my toolbox, you know? Like, yeah. because we don't think about it. Like, I never thought about being locked up until I was locked up. Mm. You know, or you do wake up on the floor. Yeah. You know, and you're like, man, you're hungover. It's cold. It's freaking uncomfortable. You know, Mm -hmm. stings. (laughs) There's no aunties. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Or is there? Or is there? (laughs) Just only uncles. Just uncles. (laughs) There's there's always that one uncle that wants to be an auntie. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, man, thank you for coming and sharing that that yeah. part of your story, man. Uh, appreciate who, appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing your story and stuff. And I just got one more question, then we'll let you off the hot seat. Did you ever try any bulldogging? Oh yeah, college. Yeah? Yep, we used uh. to jump off from horses all the time onto them horns. Ooh man, Junior I like I like Junior watching bulldogging. Bulldogging. Junior Robert uh. should have told him only at the bars. Oh, thank you for sharing your experience, strength. You know, let's get some claps, let's get some Lulu's. Oh, Oh uh, yeah, we appreciate the story so far, man. It's pretty good, man. Good I'm, I'm getting inspired just sitting here. Yes, man. I'm, I'm like, stuff. wow, you know, it, it is good, man. And shout out to Absolute Healing for inviting us in and yes. you know sponsoring this episode. It's it's good, man. I could see us, you know, making this like 
coming down periodically to do more of this, man, because people need to hear these stories. Yes, and, and this is like such a huge part of what we're trying to do is like because we know we always say, oh, it's not about us, right? Yeah. There are other stories out there that are just as impactful yes, as you know, the things that we shared. Mm-hmm. And so to hear that firsthand, it's it's so it's priceless, mm-hmm. right? It's like right. so invaluable. And then just a little tidbit, I guess the Bzalo Get Healing is almost called, what was it? The Apostolic Overcomers of <laughs> Bighorn River. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had a name contest and I went and got real technical with it. <laughs> so it's almost the Apostolic Overcomers uh, of Little oh, Bighorn. Overcomers of Recovery. <laughs> <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> Jubilee, yeah, Jubilee. yeah. <laughs> right now we got we got we got uh, we got a fresh guest on on the hot seat. Introduce yourself, please. All the way from. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Hi, my name is Mary Amyot. Mary Amyot, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Let's I thought you were gonna clap. Hey. I just got to hear that. That's uh, a Lulu from our Lulu contest. <laughs> we had a live we'll Lulu right contest. Now. So, first question: um, what, What's something from your bucket list? Mm, I'd love to go to Ireland. Mm. Ireland. What Walk draws all you? All the green countrysides and all the castles. Yeah. Oh cool. yeah. Ca- okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'd like to go to Jerusalem. Oh yeah, that'd be nice. awesome. Ooh. That would be awesome. Rub my bare feet across the cobblestone. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were gonna say that about didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Ireland, 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 Our Ireland. Yeah, take off your moccasins and walk barefoot in the grass. <laughs> <laughs> your toes just grasping the grass. <laughs> you push them out, eh? <laughs> Sprinkle it around a little bit. <laughs> I think I love Ireland. Yeah. I go to Ireland too. At least my piggy toes do. I think the people in Ireland are kind of part crow. They have little people too. Yeah. But yeah, but there's got money. I know. Low trousers, cool hat, pots of gold, pots of gold. But that sounds cool. Yeah, Ireland. I never. So the Ireland is that an island? Or you know, yeah, I think it is. An I think it is an island. Okay, <laughs> over there, over there, over there, no, no, no. over there, way <laughs> over there. Oh, oh, that way. your lips can't stretch out that way. You can't point at your lips. I didn't know which way. I didn't know which way we were facing. That's why they went like this. <laughs> I got lost for a second. <laughs> Ireland, and then Jerusalem. What would you do in Jerusalem? I'd go where Jesus was. Mm. Go and visit all of it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Mm, I think that'd be awesome. To the tomb where he rose. Yeah, I think that's on mm-hmm. my bucket list too, just to go there and check it out. Yeah, we're going uh, 2024, 2025, I think. Oh, for real? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Might have to bail in with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're... Uh, Jumping your luggage. Just you and your yeah. family? Uh, we're going with our church. So, though, like, yeah. We're Which church? Gonna... Everybody join the church. Arrow <laughs> <laughs> Creek TV. <laughs> At least for the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, but we're, uh, we're, yeah, they actually just rolled that out. They announced that about a month or two ago. Oh, for real? Yeah, so we're just going to save money, finances. Uh, each person, I think, needs about five, three to five. Right on. When's um, our membership? When's enrollment for membership? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Con- contact the lead pastors um, <laughs> on Facebook, Ever Creek TV. <laughs> but yeah, we will be going to Jerusalem here, Israel. That's cool, man. Israel. That's cool. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah. 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 Right on, right on. Um, so, so I'm kind of loose. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to make <laughs> sure. Okay. okay. Lucy, I get them shoulders going. <laughs> so yeah, I'll throw it over here to your favorite Indian. Take it away. Hey. Okay, Miss Mary, it's an honor to have you here. Thank you for being with us. Thank um you. So uh yeah, again, the origin, can you just tell us about where you grew up, who you grew up with, or where you grew up, who you grew up with, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. I grew up in Lotchgrass. I've lived there my whole life. I lived in spear sighting actually. Um my with my parents, you know, my I'm the youngest out of seven. But um, four from my dad's previous marriage, and then you know two from my my mom's first marriage as well. But um, I've lived in Lodgegrass. I've graduated high school there, and you know I come from a really uh, strict uh, household. You know my mom's a strong believer. She's always has ever since I could remember. Mm, okay. You know her and dad are still married over about forty six, forty seven years. That's awesome. Man. So That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm just you know we had a good childhood. You know mom they were they were strict. You know we weren't allowed to go and run around like how these kids are nowadays. You know we had curfews. You know we had to. You know she always kept an eye on us. If not, you know my dad he. Uh, was into the rodeo circuit, so he was a calf roper. Mm-hmm. So we'd always hit the rodeos, you know, when it was rodeo season. And, you know, and I I had a good childhood growing up. You know, we got to do whatever, you know, you know. Yeah. So growing up then, were you ever um, around anybody that was drinking or using? Um, well, my parents weren't, but we lived right next door. And it was my uncle's place, and he's not here anymore, but... You know, we had, like, his kids. Um, I don't know, it might have been way before your guys' day, but my uncle had a a band called the Electric Indians. <laughs> so they'd play like over that. in Parkman, like you know, and all that. And I've it was, heard of it them. was cool. But, um, and he then they, the yeah. <laughs> cassette tape. Oh, cassette. So they lived right next door to where our house was now. And, um... They would go and play in the bars, you know, go to Dee Dee's and all that stuff down in Wyoming, Parkman, and then come back and bring the party back. Mm. <laughs> so it was kind of interesting to wake up every morning to see how many cars were lined up all the way to the lane. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> but I, they were, you know, it was, it was kind of there where I experienced, because I always kind of hung out with people like my older brothers first cousins and stuff Mm -hmm. hung out with them and whatever and they were they were crazy you Mm -hmm. know and uh uncle kenneth he he was you know he he lived there but then he'd also lived in Hardin, so you know the boys they stay there and i don't know there was just a lot of partying there and whatever you know i Mm -hmm. never was um i never was an alcoholic i never could drink you know i couldn't handle it it just made me i'd get all somehow and then i just would throw up and then that would be it. I couldn't think I could do it. Would but, you want to fight? Oh man, it was like all self control. It was just down the toilet. I was just. just buck, <laughs> buck wild. Man. But it wasn't a lot of times. It was just not even a handful of times where I actually got drunk. Oh wow. And then I would make myself sober up. 
But, you know, like, what I what I got into was smoking weed. Okay. Mm. I loved the weed back then. And I would go cruising around with my older brothers and sisters, you know, and they'd be cruising around Lotchgrass, and they'd light up joints, you know. And I, you know, at the time, they wouldn't let me smoke, so I could kind of sit there and watch them. And I'd be like, man, I want to try it. Mm. So then... I did, and then I was just like, I liked it from that time. So when was that? Like, how? <sighs> oh my gosh, probably when I was an eighth grader. So that was in '94. Okay. So I started smoking weed, and it's crazy because I just jumped right into. It was crank back then. They were doing. Mm-hmm. They were doing a lot of you know drinking, smoking, and then they got into doing the crank. Yeah. So. I just kind of watched them, you know, and then they, I don't know, I just went ahead and I tried it. I tried it, and then the first line I ever took, I, it was like I just wanted more and more, you know. So I got into doing it. <laughs> I was hooked right there. So I did it kind of hard that going into my freshman year, crazy um, freshman year, and I remember I got to school that first day of school. And I dropped so much weight. I remember my cousins were just like looking at me and see everybody back then did not do that stuff. There it was, you know, you don't, they smoked the weed and everybody partied. It was know? almost kind of taboo. Huh? Yeah. Like, like nobody did it. And yeah. then like, you wouldn't like, I, like I didn't let anybody know that I did. And I was doing it with people that were older than me, uh-huh. you know, hanging out with them, you know, and I always thought, and I, you know, everybody was out partying and stuff. I was indoors tweaking out you know i wasn't out doing <coughs> being crazy and stuff so i always thought well at least you know i'm doing it with them you know it kind of made it like it was okay so i did that my freshman freshman year sophomore year and i was still a pot smoker i smoked it every day i'd skip school <laughs> We'd have a rotating schedule at school, and I would make sure, you know, you get they have the 10-day rule where if you miss 10 absences, you lose that class. So we'd always make sure we rotate how many absences. You know, it was just like that. I would, skip, it out, yeah, huh? yeah. I would skip school all day long just to get stoned. And then uh, my junior year, I quit. I quit everything, you know. and But I still smoked, still smoked. Graduated high school, um, uh, tried college, you know, went to school, and I kind of didn't know. I was kind of like, you got it. You know, my parents are like, you either work or you go to school. And it was kind of like they were pressuring me, and I was just like, ah, so I'll go to school, you know, even though I was burnt out. So I went ahead and I rolled here at the college, and I just goofed it off. You know, I went to school, blazed up, you know, whatever. And then once I collected my pal, I, I didn't go back. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I kind of let that go. And then I I, um, I met my kid's dad, you know, probably the end of 99. So, and he was, he's almost 10 years. Yeah, he's 10 years older than I am. So we got into, you know, they were into the horse racing when it, when it was in Billings, you know, at the Yellowstone Downs and just did all that. So I kind of just hung out, you know, got, and we both used, he was, um, he drank all the time too, you know, when every time we'd get high, they'd always had to have beer, but I, mm-hmm. I didn't do that. And so we just hit the racetrack and do all that, you know, and then in, um, in 2000, I got pregnant with my first, do- my firstborn, she's uh, my daughter, Antonia. 
So I quit everything, you know, because I was pregnant. And I had her and got right back into smoking weed again right after I had her, you know. And I wasn't working or anything. I was just kind of basically playing house, (coughs) living with him and, you know, doing the racetrack thing, you know. And he didn't really have a job, you know. I'm kind of think back then, I'm like, man, you know, it was like, it wasn't for my parents helping us out because they loved their granddaughter so much, you know. A lot of them was like, they would pay our bills, you know. I was like on that welfare stuff, you know, just... Just like that, and um, so in 2000, I just smoked, and we got into doing, you know, and we did drugs, you know, it was crank, then it got into the crystal or whatever, you know, you know, it switched it up, and um, uh, 2005, I had my second, my second child, who his name is Drew, and I quit, you know, because I was pregnant with him. And then just a year later, in 2006, I had my third child. His name's John. So I quit within that time. But right after I had John, you know, it wasn't too long after I started using again. I started smoking. I'd smoke pot like cigarettes. It was crazy. Mm. And, you know, just uh, it wasn't a good environment. You know, the the way I brought my kids up. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of led to a, like a, a lot of abuse, you know, me and him, we'd fight, whatever, you know, a lot of my, my kids kind of witnessed a lot of things, you know, when they were at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we did, you know, it was like, two, I had John in 2006 and then it got up to like, uh, I think it was the year 2010. Um, I had a tragic accident, you know, that happened in our family where, I had a niece who I really, like, loved. Everybody loved her. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, she'd come by and um, she started staying with me at my trailer and got the room, back room all set up. And she just had a newborn little boy, you know. He was only a couple months old. And um, it was around Christmas time and all that, that, you know, I went ahead and I got all my stuff in layaway, you know, got my make sure I had my kids' gifts, you know, ready to go and, Mm-hmm. And everything, and she was running the drugs back and forth. And um, one night, she she said, "I don't have the gifts. I don't have you know." And she wanted to go and re up on some more dope. And I I remember it was like twenty five below zero that winter. It was cold, and I told her I was like, "Well, I'm good. For, you know, I'm good for Christmas right now." But I said, "If you need to go and do it one more time," but I said, "This is going to be the last time." Do you know? You know? I said because we got. Christmas and everything, and, you know, you need to, and she was like, okay, so, and all them times she was running, you know, I kept her baby at home, I just stayed home with my kids, you know, and she out doing her thing, and she'd come back, and we'd hang out, and get high, and I I started uh, injecting it, you know, at, the, and the, at that time as well, mm-hmm. you know, so I was kind of doing all of it at once, <clears throat> But anyways, one particular night, she said, okay, I'm going to go up and do this. And, you know, we counted her money and everything. And I said, okay, well, you know what? You get up there and get right back. Because I said, they're going to close the roads. And I was going to keep, you know, she was getting everything already, you know. And then I noticed she was getting her baby. And I was like, well, what are you doing? I said, I'll keep him here. She goes, no, 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 no. I don't have nothing to pay. And I said, I never asked you for it. It wasn't never like that. 
why why do you think I would want you to pay me to watch your baby? I said, just go do what you got to do, and and I'll be here. Mm-hmm. And the baby was kind of coming down with colic and whatever in his ear, you know, and um, the baby's dad spoke up and said, well, I'll take him to the ER, you know, and I... I me, mean, I would tell her the way it is. No, you're not going to do this, whatever. But when her husband spoke up, I just kind of didn't argue with him or anything. I, he, he said, I'm going to go take him and get his ears checked out. And, you know, and I was just like, and I wasn't buying it, but I was just like, okay, well, you guys get him bundled up, you guys. I said, get up there and get back. So she left, and we'll just make a long story short. That was like the last time I seen her. You know, we she, everybody was, and she didn't come back, so I figured, okay, maybe she fell asleep and caught up with one of her uncles or whatever, you know, and it was Christmas, it was Christmas Eve, so I was like, well, she'll be back, it's Christmas Eve. You know, and we sat up and waited for her for a couple of days till we couldn't no more, and we finally crashed, Christmas came, no show. So I was like, well, you know, she'll be around, she's probably with her dad or somebody, you know, and then... And then right after, right then at that time, she had a grandmother that passed that was really, like, that was her grandma. So I was like, I heard about that, and I was like, okay, so maybe, okay, she's going to show up, you know, you know. And I, at the meantime, I was checking with everybody to see where she was. Nothing. Mm-hmm. So anyways, my aunt called me, and she was like, oh, you know, and my old man said, hey, your aunt's on the phone, and I kind of knew. I was like, okay, I, I, I know who, he, who he's talking about. I got on the phone with her and she said, Hey, you know, you know, hey honey, you know, and I was like, Hey Auntie and and she told me she said, uh, well we can't find, you know, and I said, I thought she was with everybody else and they said, Well, they all thinking that she's with you and I said, She's not. I told her I had to literally break down and tell my aunt, even though I didn't want to, what we were doing, what was going on, you know, that we were doing dope and that she was on a dope run and and that the last time I, I didn't hear from her. And um, she said, well, her grandma, and I said, I know. And I said, and she said, um, she didn't show up for the funeral. Mm. So I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. So then that's when things started rolling, you know, and we started putting out, we got, um, at the time her aunts were working for the housing here, so they set up a, like a, like a station, you know, where they had it tw- going 24-7, you know, like, you know, just leads or anything, you know, they had the cops on it and everything, and then uh, and then just out of the blue, they find her truck way out in Grapevine, you know, way, way out there. I'm, You know, I've gone there a couple times, but it was like way out there in the middle of nowhere where <coughs> when they found the truck, it was like it was, uh, everything was just left there, like they took off and ran. That's what it was. Even the keys, there was a half a tank of gas, hmm. baby's um, diaper bag, and everything were in there, you know. And um, It was crazy because when, when she left that night, I really told her, get me two $5 pizzas at Little Caesars, okay? And she was like, I won't. I said, don't forget. That stuff was in that truck left there, you know. So hmm. it was crazy. So then that's when they got onto it. And... It was wintertime as well, you know, make a long story short. They, we looked for her, you know, they searched dogs, everything out there. They had backloaders, you know, they could only dig so far into the, you know, and they seized the pickup. But to make a long story short, 
it was five months from that Christmas. They found her the day after Mother's Day, and they found them down in a coulee, more or less. But it wasn't; it was just bones, just just like pieces of like her femur bone and and whatever. And and the baby, they found his clothes, but they were like in shreds. He was so small, you know. It was like we didn't know if the animals got to him or whatever but it was like it was automatically to me it was like foul play mm. so at that time i just sat in that back room waiting i just waited you know and we'd have all these stories coming to us saying oh they we they found him in a barn they burnt you know and to, finally i was just like you know what i don't want to hear nothing until you guys actually find them. I don't want to hear none of this stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So I more or less just barricaded myself in that room that she stayed in. And the day after Mother's Day, that's when they found him. Then my life took a nosedive. Mm -hmm. I was like, holy cow, this is beyond, like, the stuff you would see in TV, you know, where someone disappears and then they come up deceased, mm -hmm. her whole family or... So I went ahead and I, I don't know if it was this, this um, if it was the same name, you know, the, the program here now, but I went ahead and I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. You know, I need to, you know, I need, I need to get some help. I need to get out of here more or less, you know, but I needed to get some help. Yeah. So I went ahead and I came down here and I enrolled in a program and I w was shipped to Phoenix mm. for... I don't know, I think it was 28 days or 35 days. I went ahead down there and I cleaned up. And I left my kids, you know, whatever, and um, came back. And it was like I came right back into that same environment that mm -hmm. I left. Yep. You know what I mean? And it, it, and it wasn't too long after that where I fell right back into using again. Mm -hmm. So that was in 2010. And then it just stuck, picked back right back up again where I was smoking the dope and smoking weed, you know, and then having these not bringing, you know, not a very good uh, household, you know, mm -hmm. for my kids. And and then 2015, I think we just kind of got tired of the way we were living. Mm -hmm. So at that time, North Dakota was booming with the oil fields. Yeah. So we're like, well, let's go. They offered my old man a job as a laborer over there. I remember it was called Resco. <clears throat> we're like let's go you know so we loaded up we just loaded up our camping gear and everything and we loaded up the truck and we took off over there <laughs> and uh we got a job you know and and that was the only like that we i didn't smoke no weed you know we did took off you know weren't on anything and um we were camped out behind four bears <laughs> it, was, it was fun though you know i got to Check out that powwow and everything, and I'd always go to that uh, Four Bears Casino for coffee every morning. And <laughs> but um, you know, we were there for a while, and then you know, kids had to go to school and whatever, and it was just like, well, it was time to come home. Yeah. So we came home, and I we didn't, we just kind of up and left the place we were living in, you know, our trailer. We come back, and we didn't want to go back into Lodgegrass, so we went ahead and we just camped out on the side of my mom's house. <laughs> Because we didn't want to go back. We didn't want to do it no more. Mm. So we camped out there, you know, and then eventually got on, you know, the new administration here. You know, we got, 
my old man got a good job and they gave us a place to live and stuff. So I was clean in 2015 until just probably the end of 99 to the beginning of 2000 where, you know, I, I, I was still a user on pot. I yeah. quit the meth, but I still smoked pot like I, people would do cigarettes. And I had a job. I was a substitute teacher at the Lotchgrass schools, you know, for like three, four years, you know, and we raised our kids, you know, they were a little bit older. My daughter graduated high school and and all that. And then, uh, then just up to recently, these last couple of years, I don't know. I just kind of was in a, um, <laughs> kind of going through some, um, personal problems there where I, uh, First fight, first fight that me and my old man, you know, picked up, you know, picked a fight with him and I took off. Mm. Went downtown and went right downtown and went and shot up right then and there after all them years. Mm. So it was, and it didn't stop. It didn't stop. I went on for two, two years there. And then um, come... October 6th of 2021, I, I mean, when I was out running around and doing all that, I got into uh, the wrong crowd and whatever, and I got into selling it, selling meth. That's how I was kind of supporting, you know, my kids were with their dad and everything, you know, and my daughter, she had a little boy, my first grandson, but um, and they went to school and everything, but I was still out running around, you know, I was just running around lodge grass, and it was just... Like, uh, I don't know, like I was just running around in circles and doing dope. I did, I never had a day break of dope. I did it for two years there straight. And I was doing it so bad to where my arms were like blown up. Mm. Then on October 6th, man, everything come crashing down. I got pulled over by the cops in Lotchgrass, and I had an ounce and a half of dope. And they threw me in. They threw me in jail and whatever, and I've never even had a speeding ticket. You know, I've never gone to jail once in my life. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, freaked out, you know. And I was, like, everything was just going through, you know, rushing through in front of my, my head and everything. I was, like, so shamed in my family and... My kids, I was like, I could, I was like, God, I let everybody down, you know. And mm. I went to jail, and my mom came and bonded me out. And um, I just went after that. I was all over, you know, all over the place, getting rid of that stuff. Was I went down? I just hunkered down, and I wouldn't even step outside of my house. But I still used. <laughs> I was just using it at home and stuff, and I knew what I was doing was wrong. I was still just just using it and whatever. Yeah. And um then that's when I figured, man, I need to I volunteered to come down to the program here and that was in February. Was it February? And um I was like, okay, I better um just do this to get this off my back, you know, you know, and to whatever and um I enrolled here and whatnot, and, you know, I um, 
Ada was my counselor and stuff, and we did the groups and stuff. And for a while there, I was still, I went back to work. I went back to work in, subbing for the Lotchgrass School, but I was still using. <laughs> I was still using, and um, um, I wasn't able to make it to the classes right off the bat because they were during the day, but this program here worked it out to where they started the evening classes, so I was able to come. And I, I came, you know, and whatever, but I was still kind of was just like, oh, I'm just going to do this to get this off my back. And, um, well, come uh, July 7th, you know, we went to Hardin and came back, and I pulled off the uh, highway there at Gary Own and went to make a stop there and Started heading out to LG, and I noticed that the cop behind me was lighting me up. You know, he was stopping me, and I was like, hey, you guys, they're, they're getting pulled over. You know, and I had my bottle of weed and everything in the middle of the car, you know. I had um, my niece and my nephew and my old man were in there. And so I was really trying. I was like, you know, get it. You know, you guys hide this stuff, you know, and then whatever. And, then, you know, that cop, that cop that arrested me when I got picked up with the drugs was the same cop that pulled me over. So I kind of didn't really care for him because he was harassing me at the time, you know, the months before. But um, he come over, you know, and he seen where I was hiding stuff and whatnot. And I really put my seatbelt on like it really would matter or anything. <laughs> <laughs> What's Udo, his name? Yeah. <laughs> put that on or whatever. But he was like, you know, yeah, I seen you. What are you hiding? I was just like, what do you want, you know? And he was like, well, I've seen where you made a roll stop there. You know, when I went to that tea, I didn't come to a complete stop, you know, and pulled me over or whatever and had me get off the car and pulled me off to the back. And I was like, you know, what, what, why do you keep harassing me? You know, what did I do? You know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm trying to get my life, you know, even though I wasn't. It was just mm. like I was just trying to yeah. play the system. And he put me off to the back and whatever, and he said, well, he goes, um, yeah, we have a federal warrant for you, federal indictment. And, man, he just went and he cuffed me, and I was like, what? You know, and he threw me in the back of the car and went to proceed to talk to my kids and whatever, you know, and I sat in the back of that car, and I was going crazy. I remember I was just hitting that cage. I was like, you know, I need, you know, he didn't show me a warrant or anything. Yeah. Little alone did I know that I had a federal warrant out for me that April, and they were just now able to catch up to me. So I had two indictments of um, a conspiracy to distribute and the distribution charge. Mm. So you know, all of this was just happening. You know, I remember I was just going nuts in the back of that cop car and. I just kept saying, I want my warrant, you know, and just kept hitting that cage. <laughs> and he let my kids and them go, you know, and um, he he found some paraphernalia in the car, but he just told him, throw it away, throw it away, you know. He said, she's on her way to jail. And so they took me to jail, and I was I was brought to uh, Two Rivers and Hardin there where I stayed for a few days, and then they um, had a federal hold on me. So when I was in there, you know, it was like, holy, it was, I was a basket case, you know, I was in jail with some friends, but I, that was like, I never went through anything like that. And I was so scared. I thought like my kids, you know, my, my life, my freedom, you know, I'm going to go to prison and stuff. And 
Um, the U.S. Marshals came and I was there for a couple of days and the U.S. Marshals came and picked me up. They took me to Billings and whatever, you know, and I went to the court. I never had a war. I never had a, I don't even have a record. But I was able to get out on OR, you know, and then that's where I'm at today. Mm. You know, so it was like, I don't know how, how this guy that was talking earlier, you know, he... He goes off, you know, whatever, he's going to go to jail. You know, it's like I never had this happen to me, let alone right out of the gates having two federal indictments on me, you know. So um, from that time on, I went ahead and I re-enrolled with Ada. And we did the outpatient and stuff and... um it took a lot more serious then. <laughs> it was no no game then, you know. But um, yeah, that was from that point on when I got out. Um, I was a mess, you know. I I was scared. I was shamed. I was like, I was a failure. I was like, my God, I can't believe this is happening to me. But I always remember them times when I'd be out for days at a time, you know, and sometimes I would forget to pray. You know, my mom would always say, you know, when I leave, she'd, I'd go and check with her. She'd be like, you make sure you plead the blood over yourself and you repent, Mary. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I do, you know, even though there'd be times I wouldn't be doing what she'd say. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know a lot of it was from her prayers. That's why I, I was still there, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so... From that time on, I was like, all right. You know, I pray and I'd say, okay, God, this is not the way I was raised. This is not the way I was brought up, you know, and and do something to get my attention for me to knock it off, you know, in Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes I'd say that prayer and be the same prayer all the time. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like this event helped you? Yeah. Like admitting that you Like he uh, heard my prayers. Yeah. Because it got my attention. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Time out. Yeah, yeah, it has. And um, it's it's been a crazy, you know, it was a crazy year last year. But um, I had to kind of change my mindset, you know. And I went ahead and I gave myself to the Lord because I was like, this mm-hmm. is good. I, you know, he's he's trying to get my attention and I can't ignore it no more. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't going to play with that no more. So I went ahead and I just gave myself to the Lord and I just said, okay, I need your help. I need your help because I said, I've never been in this situation. You know what's in my heart. You already know my life before me. And I know I have a purpose. So just handle this, you know, I cast all my cares onto you and make a way for me, you know. So it was kind of, it was pretty bad at first, you know. I was, uh, I guess you could say I had trauma for it because I I had nightmares. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had nightmares of the cops coming and actually trying to kill me one time. You know, it was just awful. I'd wake up with these nightmares, and I'd be home, and I'd be like, oh, God, thank you, Lord, you know? But it was like I, Mm -hmm. it was just, I never experienced anything like that, so. Like withdrawals, withdrawal dreams. Yeah, and and then, you know, it was like, um, I thought I would be hitting the, like, withdrawals and whatever you know whatever but right when i made up that my mind to quit it was it was gone i know i never had um no urge to use come on nothing like that you know and um yeah it's 
it's been a it's been a crazy ride, but then it's also been a blessing, you know, because I'm I've changed my life for the good, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like I um, I could sit there and I told someone, well, I could sit here and sulk and just go into the dirt with being, you know, why me, you know, whatever. I could turn around and make it a positive thing as as and I can go and help the people that are still out there. Yeah. You know, because I, I still have a lot of friends that are all, you know, all up and doing that stuff still. And I'm just like, holy cow, I can't believe you guys are still doing it. You know, like, but I, what I want to do is, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, get a job. And I got a, I got blessed with a job right when I needed it, you know. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to go back to school. And that's when I picked up. I was like, all right, I'm going, well, maybe I better be a counselor. You know, I'm going to go yeah. and let, at least... The ones that don't have that, you know, that live this dark life and whatever, and, you know, and let them know that there's a little light at the end of that hole, you know, that if I can do it, then you can do it, you know, so. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's something that I always say is like, man, if I could sober up after drinking a half a G every day for. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Years, you know, <laughs> so it's like anybody can, yeah. you know. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, your testimony is very powerful, man, and it's. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting over here, as uh, Randy likes to say, I'm getting the chills. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, yeah, because no, like we didn't even have to ask you a question, and you just, you know, roll out with your story. And I think that's really what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of like, well, everybody sharing their story, like, man, giving a, you know, a round of applause for that because it is hard to get on the platform and share. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but when you get on there and you share that rawness of your journey, like they're seeing the strength of a person. Cause one thing that I always like to tell people is like, as an addict and alcoholic, you are a champion. And a lot of them are like, how, mm-hmm. you know, because we, we often, we, we look at people and we point our fingers at them. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you drinking so much? Why are you always getting high? You were brought up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got to get to the point of like, hey, what happened? Yep. Yeah. You know, like yeah. what happened? What was so traumatic in your life that you chose to utilize alcohol and drugs as a coping mechanism? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, versus it was like I had a good childhood and whatever, but it was like once I started to do the drugs and whatever, that's when all the crap started. Yeah. You know, I sure. mean, I wasn't sure. I wasn't abused. I didn't have like I said, I had a good upbringing you know mom was a christian mom's a strong believer you know dad he never but it was just like once i chose to do that route then that's when all the bs yep. began i think that's the chaos yeah okay. yeah and that's kind of that's all i could think of was when that happened it was just like you know yeah. so yeah. um but what keeps me going every single day from the time i wake up is the lord mm-hmm. yeah and he is my recovery. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I mean? If it wasn't mm-hmm. for him, I wouldn't be here. Yep. So I wake up every morning and I thank the Lord that I'm I'm healthy. I'm sober. Yep. I am actually going on nine months of being sober. <laughs> so right I mean and that's that's a huge accomplishment. Yes. Nine months. Yes. Nine months. Awesome. Uh, being, you know, like a heavy pot smoker for like over twenty five years and stuff like that. It was just Something yeah. had to give, you know, and, and scared me straight. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Many a hoes for your story. Thank and on you. just like what I hear is a lot of uh a lot of experience, strength and hope in your story and like 
definitely that your higher power, but it is the one that's keeping you sober. And I just seen that coming through as you're sharing your story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think your spiritual aspect of it is a major, major part oh, of your recovery. Definitely. You know, so that's like, yeah. So now I'm, you know, I, I, I wake up every day and I'm blessed. You know, I get to be here with my kids, my two mm-hmm. grandkids that God blessed me with. I'm, you know, I take care of my mom and my dad. You know, I and know. I and I, I have a job. You know, I can provide, but you know, the Lord is my provider. Mm-hmm. You know, so without them, without Him, I wouldn't have been able to have all these things. Yep. yep. Right so, on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm gonna get through it. You know, I've been yeah. just doing. You got what I'm this. You can to. do it. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. Definitely. That's yeah. pretty awesome because, like, you you talk about like being covered in shame, right? Like, so like when that happened, but it, it tells us like they overcame the bull of the lamb by the word of their testimony mm-hmm. you know and, and and i think like the thing about that is like you're really you know showing the opposition like hey man like you tried to come and take my life which also coincides with genesis 50 and 20 when he says what you meant for evil turned out for my good mm-hmm. because joseph mm-hmm. like had already seen this stuff right like and then it came to the point of like you guys meant to kill me but actually god had it set in motion yeah that he was going to preserve me and keep me mm-hmm. so that i could be of benefit to you Right, kind of like addiction, Mm kind of like whatever. But when you come out of that, we have the experience, we have that strength, we have that encouragement. We know what it's like to have to come from a two parent household, Mm -hmm. because that that's a thing that we neglect. I I feel like a lot in addiction, right? Like Mm -hmm. we always hear like, oh, I came from a one parent household, this and that. But it's like it shows us like, man, you can raise a child the best way that you can, but because of our choices and things that we do, we end up doing something that we're taught not to. Yep. And it's of no fault to the parent. It's really us not understanding how to cope with life on the reservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's because we don't know, like we think we're trying to find freedom and we're chasing prison mm. to find that freedom. Yep. Not knowing that when we open that bottle, that becomes our prison. When we throw that dope in that cap, that becomes our prison. Like when we, you know what I mean? Like whatever we're doing that, like we're really willingly coming and going to the devil and be like, hey, handcuff me and throw me in here, please. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. See, a lot you of know? it was is I had to change my mindset. You know, I always was a person who would always think of the worst before I thought of the good. You know, and I'd sit there and I'd be like you know i'm you know i just be like i'm gonna go to jail you know my mom say like mary you need to stop thinking like that you know those are strongholds your mind she said that's when the you know the enemy tries to get to you more is in your mind so you know it's like i i i still kind of go through those um like the battlefield of the mind every day but then you know and then i always think well you know what hey that's my battle's already been won (laughs) you know you know and i just think i just try to Flip it around, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. and, and think of better things than, you know, than the worst. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's changed me a lot. You know, I, I've uh, come a long way, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not where I want to be in life, but you know what? I'm a lot more better than I was before. Yep. Yeah. And you Definitely. know what? And I know that God is still working with me and um, my, my um, purpose in life is not done yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. JC, you got any last words? Um, 
I can relate to the latter part of your story. Mm -hmm. I could tell you a story, but we ain't got that much time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What I I will say is this, is um, I I, I don't think I know that you're going to be okay. Mm. Because... That's that's the thing that saved my life. If I did not get arrested, there's either two things that would be going on right now. Either I would be in the ground or I'd be just as useless out there out on the street and I wouldn't have anything. And I know those prayers that you were talking. I know what you said. And then God, like to me, he came and just boop. Slipped me upside the head. Like, I tried to tell you this way, that way, this way, that way. It didn't mm. work. So this is what's going to work. And from that first day all the way to going on 10 years now. Nice. That was it. Yeah. And you never know how or you never know what God's plan for you is, right? Mm. But like just I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but yeah, and you don't know how he's going to get you from point A to point B. I like, okay, here's a real quick example. One of the things that they told me was, oh, you got to find a sponsor. And I'm like, what? And I was mad. I was, I got to find that. That's just one more person to tell me what to do. <laughs> Shoot, like, I really need that. So, so I kind of, and then so I like, first person I thought of was this guy. Yeah, so I was going to say, guess who he chose? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I know a guy. All right. And so I, and I went over there with my ugly face, and they said I had to get a sponsor. Yeah. Yeah, he had his pout face yeah, on. I had my pout face on. No, but you know, so I went and I, I I talked to him about it, and then boom, just like that, pop, 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 pop. Then we, uh, he, oh, he kind of he, he likes to volunteer tell me to do things. <laughs> so we ended up, So so we ended up doing a, a cross community reconciliation program. I met this guy over there. Mm. And then we started talking, and blah, blah, blah. and then now, I mean, we're 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 trying to do this thing here. But in all that journey, like I said, it's a long story, and, and you can probably, if you, here's what you got to do: you got to go back and look at every episode no, <laughs> before this. But you know, I talk about it a lot. But I just want—I mean, I guess, like you say, long story short, I can relate to a lot of the things that you're talking about, that you're going through, that you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And I know and I will tell you right now that you're going to be okay and that whatever you can think of, you can achieve. Mm. Yeah. Because yep. it, and, mm-hmm. and, and mine was the same way. Like it was grounded in spirituality. Everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Everybody doesn't get from point A to point B in the same yeah. kind of. And so do you and then, you know, whatever you need to do to get through today and then will it tomorrow take care of itself. Yeah. Yes, sir. But I yes, know sir. for a fact you're going to be okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and with that, you know, I just appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Appreciate everybody that's come on and shared their story so far. And, yeah. you know, definitely um, love to do a follow-up, you know, down the road and see where you're at. Cool. Right yeah. on. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And as we always tell everybody, like, if you, when you come on again, you won't be a a guest, you'll be one of the co-hosts. Yeah. Hey, okay. Hey, he graduated. Every, yeah, you graduate. graduated up. Yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's levels to this. Yeah. But with that, let's get some air horns. Let's get some claps. Thank you, Mary, for coming on. We appreciate you. And we got... Hey!
hear this, but I know. <laughs> Some mariachi. <laughs> well, we got one more coming to the stage. One with- more. One more, one more. Just like those powwow dancers asking for one more song. We got one more. One more special. One more special coming up. And again, you know, we're here at Absalo Get Healing and Crow Agency. Just right next to the old burnt down agency. <laughs> right next to the burnt out part. Yeah, man. We creeped in. Like uh we still got that um we still got that smoothness, the skills, because we drove by a pack of four res dogs and they didn't bark at us. So. Didn't even just kind of. We knew we knew we were back home. We're back yeah. on uh, Crowland because those res dogs didn't even bark at us. They didn't try <laughs> to give us no static. Yeah, that one looked right at me and just gave me a head nod, pointed his lips, pointed his shoulder. Lips. How's it going? Said, "I know this guy. This guy right here. This guy right there." <laughs> <laughs> Right on. So we got we got our um, final guest on the show right now. Um, if you'd like to speak right into this, introduce yourself real quick. Get yourself comfortable. Yeah, and they've you got can, you can uh, um, okay. tighten the thing with that. Area. Yeah, just oh. talk right into the circle, and then we'll be All good. Right. All right, thank you. Yeah, um, my name is Audrey Plenty Hoops. Mm. I'm from Crow Agency. Right on. I, I my name my Indian name is Pretty Eagle Feather. And um, my parents are pistol and trees of plenty hoops. You could flip it around. Flip it around. This one. Yeah, just that one. Yeah, that was, that was the other way. There you go. Yeah, good luck. We're set. All right, we're ready yeah, to go. Oh, we can go. We're ready to go. Let's roll. All right. So, um, yeah, just I know you got some written up, and go ahead and feel free to jump into that because I know you said you wanted to read that. Yeah, I wanted to read um, my testimony. Yep, it covers a lot of the questions, but. Um, uh, I wrote it, took a lot of time, and, you know, prayed to the Lord to help him write this with me. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome, that's awesome. Even though, prepared. Uh, even though it's, uh, I did it more than once, this, this, it still had an impact on me, and it yep. still assisted me. In, there you go. Yep. It still assisted me in um, being able to have the courage to write it and finish it. Yes, yeah. yes, yep. yes, for sure. But I'll read it, and... Says, Hi, my name is Audrey Plenty Oops. I'm a recovering alcoholic, gambler, and drug addict. I'm honored to be asked to share my success story. Before success or glory, there must be humility. And humility, in my case, is how a successful day by day by having the courage to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. This serenity prayer means so much to me. Now, because I can understand it now, and it helps me use my mind to make the right choices and be patient, so I can think of it before rushing out and, and rushing into things without thinking. And, and I have my education. I, I graduated from high school. I went from Saint Lebre Catholic School in 1987. I went to high school Juco. I was a triple medalist. I ran cross country track and played ball for them. In 1987, I had my associate's degree in liberal arts at Little Big Horn College. I went to a bachelor's at the University of Wyoming, got two bachelor's in environmental science and natural resources. And then I, when I went away, when I had to get away from here, from um, my addictions and that, and just being home and comfortable in my comfort zone, I left to Wyoming for, for five years ago. And there, the Lord left led me into earn my early childhood um, teaching certificate 
And I worked with little Head Start kids cooking and being their teacher. Um, my addictions are alcohol, meth, crank, assault, and gambling. I have a history here. I've been in treatment three times. Sometimes it takes more than once. Most time, actually, because facts state that one out of ten in your group family will be successful in recovery. I always said to myself that one day this is going to be me. Yeah, but, but, man, it's not easy. Took me more than one recovery center. Also, everyone is different and need different sources of help. Wow, luckily I'm still alive. To be able to share my testimony for the recovery center here in Crow and unspoken words. Crow Tribal Recovery Center asked me if I could tell my success story and my trials and tribulations due to the bad, wrong choices I made in my life. And and how after surrendering to my addictions on drugs, the director, Annie Rilbert here, at that time took me serious and trusted my words that I wanted to help this pro help help myself and the program sent me to Great Falls and then later to the VOA in Sheridan. Here's where God's light began to shine. Not not the bright but the dim. But hey, it was light and better than that dark. Recovery allowed me a chance to meet the Lord again and use the tools I needed to begin and restore the gaps I created in my brain, heart and my broken home and family. And the Lord restored my life through therapy and self-care. The light part of my life, making good choices and staying on the right road. Some call it the red road. I call it the grandmother's and mother's prayer. Why? The story of my grandma Pearl, the late grandma Pearl, and my mom, the late, my late mom, never-ending belief in God for hope for their daughter to surrender to Jesus and to the addictions that led me astray from the spiritual bond with God that my grandma Pearl introduced me to Jesus as a little girl until I was around 15. Then my road split. I took the wrong one, one that led me into the dark, lonely road. This is where the dark begins. The dark, lonely road part of my life, which is most of my younger years, don't underestimate me, though I still go through those evil temptations at times when the dark ways no one, I am weak. The devil knows when to attack, and I swear this is, this is when the free dope and the money starts popping up, trying to take you back into the dark line. This is when God's help and my recovery skills and knowledge are helpful to me and stay sober and to beat, beat it. Maybe God's testing me, I always think to myself, so I better make it right this time. See, recovery has assisted me to change my thinking process and turn the things from the better for the negative things into the better and with positive positivity in God's spiritual love for me. How do I know this difference? It's because I lived it. My mother Teresa, I put her through so much unnecessary stress that she didn't deserve. And I was so sorry for that. And it was too late. Her sober her it was too late to tell her sober. Because I never saw her again. She passed from natural causes of her attack after Mother's Day on June, in June 2020. I mean, I never got to tell her. I never got to tell her sober. I would tell her all the time when I was high or detoxing, trying to come home. Thank God I have him so. 
But thank God I have God because I use the spiritual channel to ask for forgiveness from her, from both her and my dad for being mean to him because he drank mm. and loved. He drank a lot, and I loved him, but was very angry with his drinking problem. Dad showed me how to be a cowgirl and the survival skills that I thought. Why? Why is he teaching me this stuff? Now I know. He had prepared me for what this crew world has to offer. He knew how to cowboy. He knew the skills to teach me to be the outstanding student, outstanding, friendly, protecting pers- person, and mostly how to live the hard times when we were short on food, gas, and how to survive on the street where I ended up with my drug and alcohol addiction. My hygiene stuff, and no heart, no heat or water. He would always come up with a badass oh, Okay, I see that. Yeah, yeah. A badass commodity dish. You just did. Right? It's too late. Commodity dish. It take me to go ride for one of his buddies' green horses to break for their children. I never had a horse when he got me one. He sold it right under my nose, and I would have to tell my horse, my best friend, bye. Mm. This was very angry. This would make me angry, and it played a big part of why I became to be angry and to grow not to like my dad. See, these feelings of anger shouldn't and wouldn't be there if alcohol and negative friends and negative environment was always claiming victory over my dad's weakness. My best friend, Paul Williamson, who's also a, a horse lover, man, you know, she shared her barrel horse with me. So we both love horses, and she shared it with me. So I could practice for the next rodeo, coming up rodeo, or when we traveled the tour. Our parents were ro- our parents were rodeo t- people, and my uncle Burley from Wyoming would let me use his roping horse for the performance. The dark side created family dysfunction, and the foundation of love and support for one another led to a dark, distant ruins for the children and my mother and siblings. I continued to cuss my dad. To curse, I continued the curse of my dad from his drinking problem. I was great at lying, cheating, stealing, manipulating others for drugs, to buy drugs, money, and all that comes along with that evil dark road. And even be, even, you know, roaming the alleys, and even Scott and being a dumpster diver, you know, at the local dump. Everything I had I wore were hand me downs and church clothing, giveaways, but. All right, buy off the black market, trading dope, or paying cheap prices for what I needed. I hurt my son and my mom here because I would come home from tournaments or night or partying or visiting because I would fall off the wagon and couldn't return home because I was hired drunk. Guilt and shame kicked me kicked in here, and that, that's when I I was always sick or had tooth problems. I would use dope, dope and weed and alcohol to numb me up. I hate the dentist anyway. When it bothered me, I didn't have shame. There I would reschedule my dental appointments because I was too high to go to the appointment. Later in my addiction with only eight teeth left now, (laughs) I was dumb. I would gamble and party all night. That's where your addiction leads you, eh? It takes your teeth and your beauty, you know? Mm -hmm. I'd gamble and party all night, go on a few hours. You know, rest a little, eat a little bit, and go in to get my teeth pooed. 
Yuck, sorry, Dennis, man. <laughs> Forgive me. I broke my mom's heart by fighting, partying, using dope and booze, neglecting, and my responsibility of being a single mother to my one and only son. I broke his heart, and I was blind to all of this because I worried about myself and my game and my life, only my life. Sorry, son. And you know that because I attempted more than once to better my life by using recovery and restoring all those potholes I created for both of us to grow together each and every day now like it should normally be for a child. Forgive me, son. Again. Also, I had to make amends with my siblings, Don and Garland and Chad and all my nieces and nephews, even my close family friends. I got with close, you know, family and that someone real close to me. I had to make amends with them because my addiction impacted their lives too, emotionally especially. I let down my brother Garland and my mother who desperately needed me because mom was getting too old and brother was food-blowing special needs guy with his everyday living. I felt like a failure because I let them down by choosing the dark life. Forgive me. I couldn't keep or hold a relationship because I only had love. One love. That was for myself and my dope. Mm. I shouldn't have been angry because I walked in the same path. I shouldn't have been angry because I walked the same path and road he did later in my teens. That's my dad. I was an eighth grader when I first started drinking alcohol. And, uh, and, and later, and after that, I know it started with alcohol problem. Then it led into the other problems. Uh, I never started smoking weed first. It, it went to cross tops and then to um, crank and then to meth. And and then um, I started drinking more then when I was on that. I drink whiskey, you know, right mm-hmm. along with that meth. Yeah. You know, I have to have a bottle of BB or my favorite was uh, Captain Morgan and Dr. Pepper. Hey. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> and then that's when your mind, my mind, went, shit, I was in Baltimore, man. Mm. I'd go out there, and I didn't have no shame. I'd go to a casino and raise hell. Anywhere I'd raise hell, mm. you know. But I always watched myself because I knew, I knew the game. I knew how kind of my boundaries where I wouldn't get busted. Mm. I, you know, kept my sm- circle small. Mm. Yeah. And, but you could tell my looks. <laughs> <laughs> or my gambling. <laughs> but. Anyways, and then here I, I should have been, um, and you know that that love for only that that stuff, and it wasn't good. But I couldn't see it, and if I sh- I should have have been angry because, you know, I, I mean I wasn't angry. Um, I relapsed after that. I went to Volunteers of America again after this, you know, and then um, Annie sent me there, and then after three months after I was there, I relapsed. <laughs> And then it's, but then, you know, sometimes it takes that to, 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 in order to get back on your feet again and get back on your feet. But I learned not to play that, like Mary, I learned not to play that because God was playing a, a part in a role in my life. He, um, I asked him, you know, I turned myself over to him, asked him to work with me to conquer this. And, you know, he, he started working at Volunteers of America. Mm. It's um and then and to me life my favorite game is one of them is softball. You get the three strikes and you're out. You know. Yep. This is my third one, mm. and I said you know you're out, 
I better make this attempt to become clean so I'll be able to reintroduce myself to people as the real Audrey Plenipes, you know? Yes. Yes, and instead of being masked up, you know? Yeah. Yep. Then the light begins. I took a culture religion class at, at Volunteers of America. I chose recovery. I mean, I chose Christianity this time. I completed the Bible study discussion with our pastor. We had class every day. I would listen to the message, and I could see my wrongs and how to deal with them then. And, and try my best to prevent them. I would draw the message I got out of the, the um, out of the class, uh, what he said. And I asked him, Pastor, I, I would ask the pastor why and and if it was okay to do this. And he said, it's fine, Audrey, whatever it takes for you to touch your Bible, see and hear the messages that the Bible shows you. It's all God's work and it's God's art. So all of it is all right. After someone finishes the course, you can get baptized again. So I decided to, and this was the first time I felt God working with me and mm. sending me back into his life. Right on. And then that's when, um, you know, it's, um, that God art and all that, man, that's, that's, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, it is. That's how man, I got my awesome. message, you know, mm-hmm. and it was all okay. Yeah. <laughs> And I didn't know because I was asking permission if it was okay. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I studied all the other books in in life, you know, mm-hmm. in educational and academics and all that by being a scholar, educa- uh, academic scholar, yeah. and all that. And I left out the real book. Mm. I forgot about that from what Grandma and them guys taught me my, yeah. from earlier. I put that aside and see that was the big book, the answer. Mm. It was the answer, and I let it go, you know. Yeah. So that's a, and then um, the scriptures in there are so um powerful. Yeah. And they relate to yeah. some of the questions I have in my life, mm. and now that it's there, I see and I use it. Yeah. For my wet, um, for my armor, and um, which my grandma always taught me, you know, the scripture. She taught me. I was learning new scriptures and. You know, the instructions to love one another, you yeah. know, instead of being so selfish. And um, my mom and dad went into the Sundance all the time, so I knew that, and, you know, I, I knew that. I used these things to kind of bring me out of out of this dark. And um, yeah. ma- major part of my life and impact was because a grandmother to my granddaughter, Mahals, who was born on February, in February, her name is a Filipino name, Mahals. It means mm. love. And imagine that, you know, that was another sign for me from about it, yeah, that, yep. you know, mm-hmm. who would ever know? I'd have a granddaughter with the name love from a different country. Right now. And that's, you know, that's awesome, man. It's beautiful. Yep. I bonded with Mahals a little too much because I was getting in trouble for getting... Getting into candy and ice cream with her. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only trouble I get in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love and change and provide for her what I didn't have, you know? Mm. Yeah. And our, um, me and her, we just, you know, one reason is I knew in my mind I had to change and provide for her. And our, because we have, now we have pets and, and this, you know, even pets, they help me in with my anxiety and, responsibilities I have to take care of them and they trust me mm. and I trust them to protect me and my family because 
I trained one, well, we trained one of them for a, a, a good watchdog. And he does his job. And, you know, but I have one that's my baby. And <laughs> even my son, get, that's his first sister. And then, you know, I'd like to thank him. And then for my employment from where I am today, you know, I had to work at it. It didn't come easy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I had yeah. to move away from here. Mm-hmm. I went to my aunt, one of my aunts. They said, come, you know, because I was living in my car mm. before I left here. I was living in my car, but I put myself there, you know, oh, in yeah, my addiction. Yeah. And, then, and then my mom was alive then, but I went to Wyoming and I started working, you know, different jobs. And... And it seemed like God provided me those jobs because later in life we would know I needed to know how to be a head start. I mean, I knew the the knowledge I needed to know to care for a toddler because mm. my granddaughter came and I had only one son, no kids. You know, I never, you know, but I always had kids around, but this one is going to be mine, you know, ours. Yeah. ours. Yeah. And so I wanted to know that and he taught me how to take care of her mentally and, and with education teachings and then, Nutritionally, the importance of nutrition, and mm. then I also cooked for the elders when I was there, mm. and that taught me the importance and of how strong our elders are. Mm. You know, mm. they're strong, and then how to respect them again and to listen. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Pro- yep. Proverbs, mm-hmm. you know, that's yep. where Proverbs comes in. Yep. The whole chapters, instructions, like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what that and and then by Staying there, I called the new chairman now and Frank Whiteclay and and my sister Dawn and and I got some advice from my aunties, you know, the wise ones. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm ready. I want to come home. And then Dawn needed a little bit more help with cars, so you know, I he said you'll be sober for six months. We'll bring you back and get you work. But after that six months, I he said. Another six months. Mm. And so I could have got mad, you know, and used and, you know, got yeah. mad and got, you know, started drumming. I yeah. didn't, though. That was the best thing for me. Yeah. Another six months helped yeah. me get stronger, prepare myself to come knowing that there's something positive waiting for me instead yes. of coming back to that ugly world, that yeah. dark world here. Mm-hmm. And so that, and then he put me in, put me in with good people, good mm. coworkers. And in a program where I have to behave and kind <laughs> behave, of boundaries, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it helps me. I have to behave. Like you said, it's all mental mind. Mm-hmm. You have to reconstruct your mind mm-hmm. in, in, when you have an addiction in order to make it in the real world. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. those, so those that don't have that addiction, don't go there because you don't want to lose your beauty and, and the ways you were taught. taught. Do it right the first time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. don't strike out like I did. I almost did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And then so, and then you know, like gave me good, good friends. Like another thing I helped beat was having a good support system yep. in uh, this recovery center. Mm-hmm. And like you guys now, and or you know, mm-hmm. you know, letting allowing us to share our stories. Yep. And um. And also my coworkers, like I said, and then I have friends now, and new friends. And you know, Sheldon is one of my best friends. He became one of my best friends because he believed in me. He didn't judge me. Mm. He helps me. He shares with me the word of God, 
And I have someone, and before I never had anyone that would do that, you yep. know? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And he's willing awesome. to be there. But that's my story, so, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. 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 You guys, I almost feel like dancing here. Yeah. <laughs> On the table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On the table. <laughs> Don't give Randy any idea. Yeah, I know. I know. I'll break one over here. Yeah. I'm going to let loose. Like Lane Frost on or not. Yeah. Lane on the other table. Like Lane Frost. Man, that was, I mean, first of all, a ho. A ho got she loved, man. That was the fact that you prepared, wrote it out. No, I mean, I, that's good. And, you know, your story, you know, it was, um, it was a, I got a lump in my throat, you know, just mm-hmm. listening to your story and how far you've come. And just like um, what was really highlighted for me was like what JC said just a few minutes ago that everybody, you know, goes from point A to point B in recovery. You know, point B being starting that journey on the red road, starting that journey with that relationship with Agbaradia. But uh, tonight was a huge example of that, like everybody's story different everybody's path is a little bit different you know and i just want to say thank you for sharing your story powerful and yeah just to reiterate the fact that you wrote that out that you said you did that a couple of times i said keep that that's valuable paperwork right there because you can always share it over and over there's going to be people that haven't heard it keep re keep getting that story out there it's a good story i mean you know it, it that's why um, my grandmother's have a um, pretty show. That has a book out in my, the late pretty show and the late Alma Snell. She has a book too, Grandmother's Grandchild. Mm. And Michael, my bucket list, see. Hey, there we go. There we go. We'll go full circle. Anyway, my bucket list was to, uh, they wanted my aunt, grandma, Alma always said, stick close to me, you know, and I knew that meant she wants me to learn what. Her, she was a plant scientist mm. and she herb with her herbs and so I always didn't know what that meant and then one day you know it hit me uh, you know it must have been um, a light yep. you know and so then I said hey man she, you know and then she my grandma pro said you need to write the third book but do it from the western western science of mm. the academics by going to college instead of being like learning it oral like because we are used to it Yep. And I tried that, and I was, that's pretty tough. Eh? Yep. I had to switch from plant sciences to to um, to environmental science because plant science is nothing but in um, what is that language? Um, Latin. Oh, okay. It's written in Latin, and um, isn't that God's word? Is that God's language too? One of them, anyways. But it's hard to it's hard to um, it was hard to translate, mm-hmm. and, I, and yeah, so I switched. But and so I want to do the third book and see this and and this is the beginning. It was a sign. It's like yeah. I'm starting it now yeah. thanks to what I got invited to by recovery. Yeah. you know, and get me back on track. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I came from being from like you said in the ghetto. Yeah, and there's no excuse for nobody because. I became a scholar mm. at University of Wyoming, and 
I used to be, I used my laps kid my I used to be honest it's kind of funny but it's not yeah I used my in the lab I used my drug skills and my lab skills all the way out stuff like that you know <laughs> yeah. but then it switched it switched mm-hmm. but you know I it was there it was there and I used it and I took it yeah. my education mm-hmm. and that's yeah. one way I kind of got away from being around here too yeah you know. Oh, and thank you for coming onto our platform and sharing, man, all this freedom. Uh, because I remember you, like you were one of my teachers, like my substitute teachers, <laughs> you know, in lots grass back in the eighties. Yeah, I was young, I and, and so it's always like from a distance, and then we see, right? Like we all come from the same community, and we see people's lives change, and we see their transformation, and it's like, man, like sometimes we feel like we're not going to reach anybody, mm-hmm. but then it comes. You know, like I'm just inspired by your story where you were talking and like you've tried it before, but now like you really found a way and you found a way that works for you. Yes. And that's you know, hard. like, and I think that's awesome because just like JC said, like, man, I feel like there's many pathways to recovery, right? But each of us got to find what works for us. Yep. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing for somebody who's been through the things that you've been through and you're still holding on to that hope, like coming on to the platform, being like, hey, man, like this is what happened. Yeah. yeah. And you're sharing your light on a worldwide platform, man. Can, thank you you're for everything cool. that you're doing. And yeah. I just like to tell everyone that it's important that you, um, when you when you do cho- chose that dark road, it's okay because, but it's okay because Jesus is there to, he died for you and you can, you forgive you. Yeah. And it's never too late. Don't take as long as me, cause yes. my it's my my life is almost. I use it a lot, so my life is almost over. But some of you still have a chance to yep. change your mindset. And one thing that helped me is um God, um God will re, in the Bible it says God will restore that time. Come on, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. that's what I'm doing with my grandkids. Turn you from a Saul to a Paul. Yeah, yeah. turn you into a preacher. Come on, amen. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, <laughs> and that that really is what you're doing though yeah uh-huh. you know that's really what you're doing you're preaching that message yeah. of freedom mm-hmm. you know and you found it you found it through christ you know and i just want my i just sharing it and that pre- I'm not preaching i just want if people want to join me man come on get yep. on yeah, yeah, yeah. come on let's go that's what he says Watch out, I break come the speed limit, though. Yeah. yeah. Don't go to speed limit. Keep up. Go to speed limit. Yeah, that's something I'm always saying is like, hey, you want to walk the red road? You want to be in recovery? Let's go. Like, let's go. I don't care, like, what you're wearing. I don't care what you believe in. I don't care. Like, but if you want to be sober, man, let's go. Yeah, man. Let's go. Yeah. You Jump know, on. You, yeah, let's go. The bus is going, man. You going to get on? Yeah. You gonna jump on now, right on. So, uh, oh, thank you for coming on. And okay. with that, we'll just kind of do some last closing thoughts, and we'll throw it over here. Oh, ho. let's get some air horns for Audrey here. Yeah. Hey, I always gotta have them air horns. <laughs> I got the Lulus going too. But with that, um, I'll start over here with the favorite ending, then we'll go to your the pod, Gotti, and then I'll close it out here. 
<coughs> Just yeah. thoughts on anything, my God. This evening episode of Zalo Get Healing presents. Uh, first of all, I just got to thank uh, everybody here from Zalo Get Healing for letting us come in and do this. And the four people that came on and shared. It's like, this is one of those ones I'm going to have to go back and listen to it a couple of times because I know there's probably stuff that I missed. Mm-hmm. And man, the things that I did here were just so, oh, I'm not even going to, I ain't going to use that word. You ain't roping say me it. into it. This say time. it. Say it for it. Say it just loud and powerful. Power, power, wonder working power in the blood. In the blood. Of the land. Of the land. Hey. Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey. You, see, you see what I got to deal with now? <laughs> <laughs> now we're always down the sink. <laughs> it's that it's that word. They can say it all day long and they never sing. But when I say it, <laughs> it's you. when you say it, it's powerful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and look, man, um, I'm so just it's just an honor in a, and I'm so proud of these people that came in and mm. shared their stories. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I kept thinking about is something that I said the other day is like our living in guilt and shame doesn't serve the world. And it's easy. It's easy to go and hide. It's easy to go and not make waves. It's easy to stay low. Yep. Because then, you know, but it's hard to stand up. It's hard to put yourself out there. It's hard Mm -hmm. to say, this is what I did. This is my story. I'm not proud of it, but I'm going to tell you because I don't want you to do the same. That's hard. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And these people came in here. I mean, I'm not going to say fearless, but with courage, courage, Courage. you know, doing what you had to do despite that fear. Yep. Mm -hmm. And man, I just, I, I just fed off of that. And I, that's just, you know, we, we, we get our recovery different ways every day right and yep. I, I could probably use this one for the next couple of weeks it was just so awesome yep and i just want to thank everybody all you guys you know those you know for for doing that mm-hmm. because um the cool thing about this is is that it you know once it's on the internet it's out there baby it's yep. never gonna come back and people can listen to this 10 years from now yeah 20 you know, 20 years, years from, now. from now and say man that was a good story that's gonna help me today yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it starts from here and goes out from there, and I just super honored, super thankful, and yes, it was powerful. Oh, uh-huh. oh, uh-huh. <laughs> no, I, I, and just to kind of reiterate what JC was saying, I think it, you know, it's amazing, especially uh, to come home, come to Crow, uh, the the things that we offer at Abzalaga Healing uh, in partnership with Abzalaga Family Healing Project. Um, it's a special emphasis grant under the Little Bighorn College Extension Programs. The project was intended to provide holistic healing services, not only to the individual in treatment, but also to the individual's entire family. Part of the project includes LBHC healing gardens, seeds, vegetables, and power plants, and produce are provided to the Abzalagat communities and individuals. Community members and students volunteer work in the garden during the summer growing season, raise beds, Container planting and tilling services are also provided to individuals wanting to learn to grow their own vegetables. Abzalaga Healing Project will be collaborating with the Abzalaga Healing Recovery Program to provide holistic healing services for recovery clients and their families. Abzalaga Healing Family Project, located at LBHC in a subroom 207, Terry Whiteman, Abzalaga Family Healing Project, Greenhouse Coordinator. Little Bighorn College, 8645 South Weaver Drive. 
But I got to put this information out there. Crow Agency, 59022-406-638-31940 is how you reach her. Her email is whitemant at lbhc.edu. We thank you guys. want to thank Audrey, uh, Mary, and the, the other two that came and shared their story. Um, and like I said, before we even started recording, like you guys are in the trenches. Like my hat goes off to you guys. Like yes. I had to run away, you know, run away from home and get mm-hmm. strong. And I still ain't even found a strength to come home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I haven't found that, but you guys are literally like right in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And you guys have overcame everything that was intended to kill yes. you. Yes. And now you guys got those keys to the prisons that you guys escaped. Mm, mm, and every time mm. you share your story, that's what you're doing. You're yes. unlocking a prison and you're opening the door and you're saying, hey, man, brother and sister, I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you're struggling with, but follow me. I know the way. Yep. And that's really what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it really is about life or death. And by sharing your struggle out of that deathly lifestyle, like you guys are giving life out. Yes. You know, you're like, hey, man, there's a better way. And mm. that's amazing. Yes. Thank you, guys. It's say when you, when you guys listen to the recording, it'll make a lot more sense. Yeah, those, yeah. those little weird kind of odd silences, because I keep hitting the buttons and then thinking, <laughs> what are these guys doing? <laughs> no, man, I'm, man, I'm just like, I'm like amazed. I'm like, I was brought to emotion. I laughed, almost cried a couple of times, and I laughed some more. No, it was like this whole episode, man, like these two are saying, I'm going to be, you know, this is going to be on replay and on repeat. I'm going to be listening to this episode for a while just because of all the experience, strength, and hope that I heard. Mm-hmm. Man, it's powerful. And I'm just like, man, I'm fired up. I'm just like, dang. You know, it's just like, man, we heard some, like what Randy said, people on the front line, like, just doing the thing. And I'm just like, dang, man, that's, that's awesome. You know, like a paratia, man, powerful, faithful. And, you know, like for, man, for us to, Four paths to cross tonight, and that's a God thing. It's definitely a God thing. So, man, it's <clears throat> I'm thankful. I'm thankful that us three could come down here, um, you know, and provide this platform for different ones to come in. You know, Faith, Jack, Mary, Audrey. You know, sharing their stories, man, that's, man, it's good. It's a good thing. And just like further confirmation that we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And that's what, that's kind of been the theme for, for me anyway, because like I've shared <clears throat> previously on episodes, you know, since September 9th, like according to like well, Brady teachings, Native American teachings, I'm in my winter. So things have been... <sighs> Man, things have been hard. Things are, you know, things are a little bit heavier. But today was just like, man, I'm like, I'm like refilled, refueled, refilled, 
all that. Um, I'm inspired, so I needed this definitely. Man, it's good. So I appreciate, <clears throat> I appreciate the unspoken words platform. I appreciate Absalgate Healing. What was the other one? Absalgate Project. A Sam Family Healing Project. Yeah, Family Healing Project. I appreciate the four that came on today. And yeah, I appreciate our listeners out there all over Flat Earth. You know, I, I appreciate our I appreciate our unspoken words disciples spreading unspoken words gospel Billy Graham style. Ah uh, uh, So yeah, share this episode far and wide and yeah, let's get these stories out there. Definitely. Um any closing words, gentlemen, before we close out this episode. Hey man, that's that's what this is about right there. I mean, that is what this is about. It's like, mm-hmm. man, when we come together and we do this, mm-hmm. it just goes to show that you you could try to get me, but not today, Satan. I ain't not trying today. to fall for that. Uh-uh. Not mm-hmm. today. Not with my peoples here. No. Yes. Yes. Let's go. F you, Satan. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we hated him. Yeah. 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 Why you I thought we hated him. Said, we said Satan and we said Satan and all these ladies. Yeah. <laughs> nah, for real, the opposite of that though. <laughs> Forgive you, Satan. Yeah. Wrong F word. Wrong F word. Yeah. <laughs> I said no, we're like, why? I thought we hated this guy. Yeah. I thought we hated this motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> good? Yeah, man. We're good, man. Episode 126. Episode 126. That's a wrap. Uh who? Uh who? Shouldn't it? Earth is not flat. <laughs> <laughs>